Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 278. It smells like 2020. We are back in the bubble. It is the same teams competing for the NBA championship. We're going to break down the finals of both conferences. Tatum goes off for a historic night. James Harden was once again a no-show. Embiid as well. What's going to happen with the Warriors going forward? And the sun is setting in Phoenix. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips. So Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 278. Drew, it, it with a heavy heart, it's hard for me to congratulate you right now, but <laughs> I have to congratulate you and your Lakers for yep. not only your call of Lakers in six, you did call it. Thank you. Uh, but you're making another trip to the Western Conference Finals. You're going to be playing the Denver Nuggets. We have a complete... Uh, bubble rematch all four teams from the 2020 bubble are now playing once again teams are a little bit different now we're going to go into the matchup of those games uh and uh our thoughts on them but i kind of wanted to start with this with the teams that are no longer playing right because we yeah. have so much drama that's happened in this past week just with teams losing um and i kind of want to start with phoenix what do you think about that yeah that's fine that's a great place to start all right so like we had said on previous episodes, at some point, the lack of depth and the minutes that that KD and Booker were having to put up were going to come to a head at some point. And it seems like it did at the tail end of this series. And they get waxed once again. This is two years in a row that they've been on their home court where they lose by 30 plus or more. Jokic has a huge game and they just get annihilated. And, you know, for a guy like Booker, who we have been praising the whole series, the whole playoffs, how good he's been, how efficient he's been. He did not have a good last two games shooting. KD looked like he was a little tired and outworked. It seems like Monty was going with a bunch of different adjustments on the fly. You know, some of these guys didn't play the first two games. And then, you know, Shamit has a big game and then he plays like 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. The next, it was just all of Terrence Ross is in and then TJ Warren's getting some burned. It looked like, uh, it just looked like Monty was just looking for anything to get these guys to win a game. But for a guy that addresses the media all the time after the game, Devin Booker has been notoriously like good with the media and whatnot. He dodged, ghosted the media after game six, and then he ghosted the media at, I think it was the exit interview day. He hasn't talked about the game. And, you know, I, I understand you're a little embarrassed, but a lot of shit's going to happen with Phoenix in this coming off season. And as of this time of the recording, they have already fired Monty Williams, which I, I was kind of shocked. I posted on our page that I was really shocked at that. And then I wasn't when I was thinking about it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Matt Ishbia comes in, new owner takes over for Sarver and, you know, he's already cleaned house. I think they got rid of two scouts. They got rid of one upper management guy. They've gotten rid of, uh, 
of Monty Williams now. And most of the time when owners take over, they bring in their own group of people that they trust. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're seeing him with Isaiah Thomas, which I think would be a horrible move at some point. Don't do it. Don't do it, Matt. <laughs> Maybe Isaiah's changed. I don't know, man, but his track <laughs> record isn't too good. But the firing, let's start with first with the firing of, of Monty Williams. You know, a former, he was just the coach of the year not too long ago. I think he's a very good coach. I think he's very well respected. We know that coaches tend to be the first guys to go, uh, not only when new owners come 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 in, but also when teams lose in that kind of fashion. I don't think this was Monty's fault. They had you know twenty games to figure this out with KD and this whole new roster. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I don't think it's Monty's fault, but I think Ishby is coming in just to clean house and start fresh with what they can. Although they have you know issues with Aiton and Monty Williams that there was. I'm sure there's issues with other players in Aiton right now. You just gave him the extension. You have CPs. $30 million contract coming up next season, which is half guaranteed at 15 million. They've already said they're probably going to move on from CP, but first off, what was your take on, on the money firing? I was pretty surprised. Honestly, I know that, I know that it's not necessarily a shock when you have two years in a row where you end up losing, you know, home closeout games uh, in the fashion in which they did. I mean, Dallas, they lose by 30. They're down by 30 at half. Uh, and then they're down by 30 at halftime in this one. It just it's not shocking to fire a head coach after those kinds of ending two seasons that should be you know that were promising seasons, right? Um, but this one does feel like a mistake to me. I I know that there's some valuable head coaches now available with the firing of Budenholzer in Milwaukee. And I've brought up Nick Nurse many times on this podcast. He is still a guy that is available. But I do think that Monty's a very good coach, as you talked about. He won coach of the year. He brought this Phoenix team together. And, uh, you know, it's a different team now than the one that he led to the finals as a part of that, you know, fantastic run that they had. But uh, I do think this is like new owner syndrome. Um, and and it's not surprising that when a new owner comes in, especially a new owner like Ishbia, who has basketball history, right? He he's gonna he's probably gonna think that he knows a little bit about the game as well, as opposed to some other owners who didn't play college ball, who didn't have a basketball background or more business, you know, focused uh, owners. <clears throat> My guess is that he's gonna try and put his own stamp on this. So look, you know, I think Monty won't be out of a job for long unless he wants to. Like maybe he'll take a year and you know, kind of reevaluate. He still has, uh, I think, twenty million dollars on his deal. Nice. Uh, so he, he'll be fine, right? It's not like a big thing. But I do think that because there are all these openings on the other side, like away from Phoenix, right? Milwaukee doesn't have a head coach. Toronto doesn't have a head coach. I'm guessing here in the next 48 hours, Philadelphia won't oh, have we'll a head coach. Oh, we'll get into that. That's definitely <laughs> happening. We'll get into that. <laughs> so there's definitely some intriguing openings around the NBA. And I have to assume that they're going to be on the phone with Monty to get him in, at least for an interview, and just kind of check his temperature to feel like, you know, are you ready for another you know, kind of gearing up for for taking on a different team and a different organization. Um, so, I, again, I wouldn't be surprised if he lands very quickly on, a, on another team unless he does want to just relax for a year, which would totally be fine and acceptable. He said that. He said he's going to take the time with his family right now. But it's it's crazy. You mentioning all those coaches like it's going to be a pretty dry free agent pool this this summer. But like right. the coaching pool right now is is heavy. And you think guys like Quinn Snyder are, are like kicking himself. He's like, shit, oh, boy. Man, if I just would have waited four months, you know what Not I even, mean? I mean, like barely four months. Like it, Quinn Snyder, for sure, I have to be like, he has to be like, well, <laughs> shit. I mean, he got a nice deal in Atlanta. So, I, you know, maybe he won't be regretting it that much. <laughs> but 
certainly like I don't know if Atlanta would be at the top of the list when you, you look around at the other teams and, and having the opportunity to coach somebody like Giannis, uh, you know, coach somebody like Kevin Durant in Phoenix, mm-hmm. like Quinn Snyder definitely would have been up for those positions for sure. And in the loop of, of, you know, particular coaches, I do think that potentially for Phoenix too, that James Jones is on a short lease here or leash here. Uh, you know, if you fire as many people as you, as, as Ishbia did at the end of the year, uh, James Jones has got to be looking over his shoulder, especially with uh, the situation in Golden State with Bob Myers, you know, kind of up in the air on his contract situation and whether or not he's going to come back to the Bay Area. So uh, anyway, I do think we're in for a lot of shakeup, not just with, you know, Monty Williams, but potentially with the front office with Phoenix and of course the roster. Right. I don't know how many guys are going to be coming back after this year for that particular team. And I obviously need to answer some of the problems that they had with their depth. So I think a lot is going to change in the next couple of months here for Phoenix. Yeah. So they have four players uh, that are under contract campaign, uh, CP Booker and KD, and they account for, and campaign trust me is a small dent in it. It's but a small, it's like it's, 6 million. Yeah. Yeah. It's 19 million <laughs> over three, but they, they, it, they account for all, over 80% of the, of this payroll mm-hmm. of this uh, salary cap. And I'm, you know, after the way, I mean, TJ Warren and guys like Terrence Ross, those guys can find jobs anywhere, right? That the, Going back to Monty, though, really quick, like this was a franchise that wasn't even making playoffs. This, I think this is going to be Booker's fifth head coach. And, you know, from not making the playoffs to being coach of the year to making the Western Conference final, it's like, what else do I have to do? You know what I mean? What else do I have to do for an organization to keep a job? And I guess no jobs are safe if unless you're Spolstro or Popovich. Uh, guys like that, no job is really safe. And you're totally right. There's going to be plenty of people that would love Monty Williams. I think, uh, you know, Monty being, I mean, we're going the, the route of former players becoming coaches, right? And it, it kind yeah. of works. Uh, we're going to get into JJ Redick a little later in my final <laughs> thoughts. So I want to save that too. Um, but yeah, you got to fin- figure out the CP conversation. It's obvious at 38 years old, he's not the same dude. And I'm sure it's frustrating the hell out of him because he still has a little in the tank. I'm sure he can add a lot to another basketball team who won't rely on CP to have to play 30 minutes a game or 27 minutes a game. Or if you have a young, you know, point guard, uh, that you're trying to, to groom in your franchise, CP would be an awesome guy to have, you know? Um, but I don't know how many takers are going to be for CP, you know, I, and I think after seeing this Phoenix series, they need a lot more pieces, man. And if their payroll is that much money, I just don't know what's going to be available. And you, you're you're noticing that you can't have Booker and KD doing 40 minutes a night like that, just balls to the wall. And I, I'm sure Booker can do it, but I don't think necessarily asking for KD to have to do it on both ends of the floor is going to work out for you. And everything you're saying about, uh, about James Jones, too, a conversation I was having with my NBA guy the other day, it's like, how shitty is it that James – that Ishbia is sending James to fire all these guys. And then at the end of the day, he's probably going to be the last one that goes. And James Jones has, you know, done a lot with that organization as well. So Ishbia is going to go. And if Isaiah takes James Jones position, like, I just don't know. Why would you have Isaiah with you? I know they're homies, but like, why would you have him with you? And Mateen Cleaves is with them too. At, at some point, do you really want to bring in these Michigan guys? Are you going to make a huge push for Draymond in the off season, which we're going to talk about here in a mm-hmm. second? Um, but I do think Phoenix, I mean, this is embarrassing. This is two years in a row. This is, yeah, it's fun that they, that they beat the Clippers with no K with no Kawhi and no PG and, uh, but Denver's a different beast and I'm looking forward to talking about them, but, uh, I I'm, I'm curious to see who the coaches that they pick up because 
like you said, there's, there's a lot of really good coaches out there. And, uh, you know, I just, I wish I knew who's in the pool for, for Ishbia's like homies, who does he want to be in? Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, something that Woj, when he, when he broke the news, um, about the firing of Monty Williams brought up was that most likely this isn't going to be one of these assistant coaches that is, you know, in the mix. It, he wants an established coach to come in a kind of a big name coach, come in and take this job, which makes all the sense in the world to me. Um, you, you don't want a, you know, a brand new rookie head coach to take on this kind of a project in a very much a win now situation, right? You don't, you want somebody that's been there, somebody that's, uh, you know, that, that should have the respect of the, of the group, regardless of who it is in the group. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head really more than anything, more than Monty Williams being the problem here. It was the roster that they, that they kind of weren't able to piece together as much, um, depth as, as they were hoping for in this season, which is why, I honestly thought that Monty should stay on for another year. Let's give him one more look at this. Let's see what they can do in the offseason by getting the right pieces around Kevin Durant, Booker, CP. Uh, but potentially, you know, if Ishby is firing Monty Williams, maybe he's siding on the side of DeAndre Ayton here. Yeah. Uh, which is which is interesting because I do think, you know, when you watch that kind of a series, of course, DeAndre wasn't able to play in game six, which is another interesting development for that guy. It's like all right, really? You can't you can't get out there. You can't do that for game um, six for us in game six, like mm -hmm. a really important game. You're going to sit on the sidelines. Uh, I, I I don't know who made that decision and you know how close he was to playing or not. But that was obviously a huge miss for Phoenix, as we've talked about, even though even though he wasn't playing great by any means, he's still a seven foot body and can score and can defend and can rebound when he tries really hard, <laughs> as we've seen. But it's it's a lack of trying. And per perhaps that, you know, that free relationship was maybe the catalyst to getting Monty Williams out of there because he is the number one overall pick and a guy that they've invested, you know, a significant amount of funds in here. But before Monty Williams got fired, I was thinking they would bring him back. And then now we're looking at where can Aiden be traded? Right. And potentially, I'm sure that's potentially still on the table too, right? It doesn't mean that whoever comes in is just going to have to be buddy buddy with DeAndre Ayton, or else it's not going to work, and Ishbia is going to keep looking. Uh, I do think that that DeAndre Ayton could be a way for them to get. You know, we're talking about all the money that they have allocated these players. If you get rid of DeAndre Ayton, then you can bring in two, three other guys to kind of fill out the rest of that roster, including a center in within that mix. Um, maybe Indiana, right? Like Indiana seemed really interested in DeAndre Aiden. Maybe you can bring in Miles Turner, a guy that's Again. you know constantly involved in right. conversations, uh, who who did sign a contract extension. But um, you know, maybe that just makes it an easier trade because he's got that money that can kind of match up a little bit better with with Aiden's, and they can bring in a couple pieces. We know Indiana's got a lot of a pretty young talent. They're they're relatively deep, even though they're not great. They have a lot of guys that are good. Um, so potentially down the road here, I, I don't know how it'll work. My my hope is when when these kinds of situations happen, that organizations find the head coach first before they start making trades and other things happen because you want to be aligned in that. And the last thing you want to do is like have a you know a coach come in uh, who who was expecting one roster and then and then ends right. up with a whole another one. You want to be in the room together making those decisions uh, as a unit. You know you assume, but. Um, the, the 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 interesting part about the series to me is is I don't know and maybe this is why Monty was was the true the true reason why Monty was fired is how is it possible that that Phoenix looks so flat in in these last two games five and six Phoenix did not look ready to go I think they're spent 
Right. I, I do too. And I think especially Kevin Durant, he really looked gas in in game five and in game six. And I think those 40 minutes, like we were talking about, he was playing 44 minutes a game in the Clippers series. I think it's 42 minutes a game in this series. And he's, you know, he's not the he's not the oldest player in the league, but he's certainly got a lot of miles on his body, a lot of injuries on that body. And it did catch up to him. I think it was about as bad of a performance from Kevin Durant in those two last games that that we could have seen. And he still put up decent numbers there, but the efficiency just completely fell off the cliff. And m- more than maybe, you know, trying to discredit Kevin Durant or discredit the Suns, I kind of want to give some credit to the Phoenix uh, to the to the Denver Nuggets because yes. they finally figured out, let's play some fucking team defense against these two guys, right? Like let's just be shadowing every time Kevin Durant or Booker gets into the paint or tries to make a draw, you know, an attack towards the basket. Let's just send a couple bodies. Let's just make it really difficult. And I think they did a really good job of doing that. And then, of course, you know, when it happens in those moments, you can see Booker and KD trying to force the issue, which is mm-hmm. something that wasn't happening. That was not happening in the previous. We had mentioned that it wasn't happening. There was nothing forced. Everything was fluid and, and it, it was, worked out. Yeah, it was right. beautiful. And Booker, you know, shooting 70% from the field in those two games, like, or whatever, 70-something percent from the field in games three and four when the, when the Suns won those games. You know, that's not sustainable, but, but I just really, I think Phoenix, you know, just, just kind of hit the end of their rope there. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised though, if TJ Warren or Terrence Ross stays on the roster because they, you know, you do need scoring depth. You you need bodies, right? You need bodies and you, and you do need, you know, if, if Kevin Durant is going to have an ankle problem or you can just kind of see the potential down the line in a, in a regular season that Kevin Durant's going to miss a couple weeks here or there, right? It's just probably going to be the the story of the rest of his career now is, you know, he's only an ankle roll away from being out for two to three weeks or a calf strain away. Or a slip on the need, floor. And you need somebody that can, that can come in and score that you can trust. And I think, you know, when you look around the league, as you mentioned, free agents are not, there's not a lot of them this year. A lot of guys are under contract. We had that massive, uh, whatever, three, maybe four years ago, that massive amount of free agents that all, you know, signed deals. So right now the free agent pool for players is really shallow. Uh, so when you look around at like who potentially they could bring in on a free agent, I, I'd be hard pressed to find potentially better than TJ Warren or, or Terrence Ross. Maybe you don't need both, but but you probably should keep one of them on there. Uh, so a- anyway, I, as much as I I know it's an embarrassing failure for them, uh, the Denver Nuggets defense has to be commended. And in game six, especially, bro, everything the Nuggets were throwing up was going in, man. Yeah. It was just one of those crazy moments. I mean, Ke- KCP, 20 points in the first half. Like, when the fuck does that happen? You know what I mean? He's so a it was like the perfect. Dude, it, was per- it was like the perfect storm for, yeah. for, for Phoenix to lose that game. And, you know, you go from a tight game in the first quarter to, like, all of a sudden – they're down by 20 and then oh my god it's it's 30 don't you think uh, that's happened a lot in these playoffs though it's like it's tied at 55 and the next thing you know it's like the <laughs> philly game yesterday yeah and and maybe that is coaching because you you know philly or boston went on a 33-5 run like how do you how do you let that happen and how do the players on the floor look the embarrassing part about phoenix losing that much is them letting themselves lose by that much that you're telling me you know we sit here on talk every single year on the podcast about how kevin durant is one of the greatest players in the world cool i agree with you but you just got smoked by 30 in a must win game like you're you're going to do that devin booker we just have been praising you for 3 weeks and you're going to go out like this 
And same shit with DeAndre Ayton. The, everything that you just brought up, those are the things that would piss me off if I'm Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Monty Williams, any of these guys. Like I, we just saw Andrew Wiggins played with some fucked up ribs, right? And yeah. you, you you just don't want to go against Joker tonight in a game you have to win, dude. And right. you're you've been labeled as soft for the past three years, you <laughs> yeah. know. And then you're gonna do this. If yeah. I'm looking, if I'm looking at that, and I'm I'm Booker or KD, I'm like, nah, dude. Like, I didn't. That, this is not the guy I signed up for, you know. And I think they, I think they do have some pieces. If they want to get rid of Aiton, I think there's value. I do think there's value in CP somewhere. Maybe you can get smaller pieces. But I think some of these contending teams would really like to have Chris Paul. You know, I think he's got a little bit left in the tank. You don't think he's going to retire, right? Well, no, I I mean, he does have $30 million on That's that true. deal. That's true. He's definitely he's, playing one more year. He's going to do one more for sure. Right. Um, you know, that's a, that's a good chunk of change there for him. It is going to be interesting, though, if they do try to ship him in a package. Maybe you package uh, Aiton with Chris Paul to try and really shake some stuff up and bring in a whole new litany of roster pieces. That could be an interesting thing. I mean, I've seen some some stuff flying around on uh, online about – potentially the the Toronto Raptors um you do like an Aiden CP for Pascal and Van Vliet uh with the Raptors no way no way I wouldn't do that if I'm no. Toronto I wouldn't but Van Vliet I would. I've heard a lot for Phoenix and I yes. think that works but I and it, it and I think it does work I think Van Vliet would be would be great for them but again we had brought this up when we thought the Clippers were were, were looking at Van Vliet we're talking about another 29 year old who's going to command 30 million dollars a year that's looking at that same price tag and again I there has to be a point where you stop looking at the price tag 30 mil is 30 mil that's what the, that's what good players go for right yeah. that's what Van Vliet's going to command if DeAndre Ayton's getting 30 million then yeah uh, Van Vliet, but I think they're going to go heavy for him. I didn't mean to cut you off either, bro. I do think they're going to go heavy on Van Vliet. I think he'd be a good piece for them, but it's having the assets in order to make that happen. And I, I just don't right. know if, if that's enough. And also, if you are going to bring in Nick Nurse, uh, Van Vliet, not going to sign up for that. He Facts. just he just he just wanted that guy to be gone. So you know that's that's another piece. Again, that's why I think it's so important for all of the teams that are going to have coaching vacancies before we make a move get the coach in the door uh, and then go from there. Uh, but, you know, look, there's not going to be, I don't think there's going to be a shortage of interest in DeAndre Ayton uh, because he is, he's good and underutilized. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look at, look at how different James Wiseman was when he moved to Detroit and all the pressure was gone. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think Ayton is going to be necessarily happy with going to a place that's not in a winning scenario or winning situation. Detroit also uh, a vacancy, by the way, has, does not have a head coach right now. Um, and our guy, Alex Kennedy coming out and saying that could be potentially a landing spot for Monty Williams too, since we're bringing up this conversation, but you know, you can see that there is a path forward for Deandre to leave Phoenix and be a tremendous valuable piece to some other team if they know how to utilize him in a different way. Uh, but it'll I was be interested. I was interested for the Clippers in the off season. I'm like, mm -hmm. I think we should take a look at it. We, we, we're looking at a big, big man. I think they might explore it again too and see what it's looking like. But I don't, I, I don't think these playoffs helped Deandre Aiden as far as teams being like, no. we need that guy. I want Definitely. that guy on my team. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think he heard his, he heard his value for sure. Um, you know, when you're, when you're a young player and you're not showing the, the normal amount of like effort and energy and desire to be on the court, that's that's definitely going to be something that, you know, before he gets traded anywhere, he's going to have to answer those questions, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you would assume whatever team is like, oh, let's let's if it's the Clippers, if it's Indiana, Toronto, whoever it is, 
you got to talk to Aiden and be like, so, so let break it down, bro. Like what, what happened in Phoenix? Like, where was the disconnect? Was it just Monty? Was it, mm-hmm. was it CP? Like, was it a combination of stuff? Like that's something that any team that goes after him will, will should be asking that question. And I don't know the answer to it. Only he does. Yeah. I, I thought it was also interesting how immediately after the Monty Williams firing, the rumors went around. I was tagged so many times in the post that like the the Phoenix Suns number one option is Ty Lu. They're gonna pursue Ty Lu. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, you didn't hear this? No. Oh, dude, right away. And I'm like, first <laughs> of all, wait a minute. I didn't Ty Lu's not on the block, first of all. I don't think. <laughs> well, we've had coaches get traded in the past. Yeah. So I thought about when I sat when I sat and thought about it, I'm like, whoa, maybe I don't know something, you know? Like <laughs> I just don't see I don't. I, I thought this about Doc, if you remember on the show. Like yep. either I said there is no way Doc Rivers is getting fired, right? And then it it takes a couple years later when you find out all the details of like mm-hmm. the shitty things that were going on. And sometimes when you're uh, you know, obviously a fan of the team, you 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 tend to to not look at what's really written on the wall, which it had been with Doc Rivers, but like I, I don't think Ty Lu is gonna be leaving to go to the Phoenix Suns. I don't I don't see that happening, but I don't I can't call it because even Doc said like, hey, don't become coach of the year because it doesn't matter if you're co- if you're Dwayne Casey or you're Monty Williams. It doesn't freaking matter. They they can get rid of you at any moment. And it doesn't it's matter if you win a championship, really. I mean, Budenholzer, Nick Nurse, uh, all those guys, they're, those are all gone, too. One thing that I that I want to bring up in regards to Aiden is uh, when when I when I look at who the Suns should potentially look at is uh, Nikola Vucevic from the from the Bulls. Good call. I mean, if you're going to do the Indiana thing and you like Miles Turner, then cool. Like, go go explore that route, and and he he would be fine too. But just a different name to throw in there is like, Vooch could be exactly what Phoenix needs. Solid, you know, you know, eighteen and ten kind of a guy. Nothing super flashy, but just I mean, always available. He seems like he's never hurt. Uh, always doing the the rebounding stuff for him. And, and knows, yeah, and he can shoot exactly. He can shoot. Um, so that's just an, another name that, that I know that the bulls are probably be doing some trading and some stuff in this off season too. So that could be a potential, you know, piece there. I think that's a really good call, Drew. Let's, let's get into the guys you took out the, yep. the, the defending champs, golden state warriors. I had warriors winning in seven. You had the great call of six. They did pull it out in six and you know, I, I, I gotta say, we love clay Thompson. We do. Mm. And I God, we could go back all last season and the beginning of this this season, me praising Jordan Poole and how good Jordan Poole is and how he was going to be. And they were absolute trash. I'm sorry to our boy, Jeff Crompton, <laughs> but I let him know via text too. like this. This is these are elimination games. And you got Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson combining for 15 points, six of 29 mm-hmm. field goals, two for 15 three pointers. Uh, it, it was garbage. And there was a point in that game six where Poole got his third foul. And I just I just said to myself, and I, I'm pretty sure I texted Jeff Crompton, I'm like, is he just trying to not play in this game? Yeah. Does he not want to be in this game? He, <laughs> it, it just, nothing was working. Uh, his game isn't, like, it hasn't evolved from last year. Like, it was cute and awesome to see the moves and see the handles and the finishes and the long threes and shit like that. But it's I, I, I'm pretty sure Golden State is regretting the bag they gave him. You know what I mean? I'm, I think they're regretting giving him that much money because I don't – first of all, I don't see him being able to come back next year. And if you look at this, man, Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, and Poole are going to earn $148 million next year. Meaning Golden State is going to be over the cap, which is 134 million. Caps 134. They're paying four players 148. You got to get rid of Jordan Poole. 
You have to. And I just don't know what it's going to be for Golden State moving forward. Like that game four from Draymond was game four, game five from Draymond was absolutely, he was amazing. And I was having conversations like, yo, that is why Draymond Green is like super coveted. And that's why these, these dudes win championships. The way he played that game, I got chill saying it because it's for the first time in my life. I'm like, holy shit, I, he'd be a great clipper. Like maybe Draymond would be when you think about it, it's like, oh my God, it would work. Right. Totally. Um, That's why he's going to command the money he's going to command. That's why he wants the full bag coming next year. He had had a, he was on a podcast with, with a a Taylor, I think it was Taylor Rooks or Taylor Rooks. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Where he said, yo, the writing's on the wall. He doesn't think he's going to be back next year. And you know, it's, it's because we all love Steph Curry and we all kind of, all NBA fans seem to really like the Golden State Warriors, minus Draymond Green. A lot of people don't like Draymond. But it's kind of sad to see how this has gone from winning the championship to now, you know, LeBron takes you out. LeBron and company takes you out. And now it seems like this whole dynasty might be pulled apart now. I think there's going to be people that are going to want Clay Thompson, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think Draymond Green is going to – I think there are going to be plenty of teams that are going to be looking at Draymond Green. Um, I don't know where they go next because now if you're having front office issues with Bob Myers and who's been intricate part to this whole, the whole success of all of this um, and you don't have him steering the ship, like maybe, maybe this is a time for a rebuild, but does Steph want to rebuild? Does Kerr want to rebuild? And Steph, after we just watched is still in his prime, if not getting better, which is wild, right? He's like LeBron in that way. The guys are just getting better and smarter and they're seeing the basket a lot easier, but I don't know. I thought pool was a detriment and like, how do you keep, how long do you keep this going is the question. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember there was an article on the athletic where Bob, I guess clay Steph and Draymond all sit in the same spot on the plane. They've been doing this for 10 years. They it's their seats. They sit, they are bros. They sit, they talk. That's where they sit. And I guess Bob Myers came up once and sat with them and said, you know, you guys have to understand how special this is. This doesn't happen in the NBA. Playing 10 years with and winning championships yeah. and being super successful and still remaining friends, right? Uh, it doesn't happen. It's special. But how long do you keep this? You know, if you're trying to build a winning culture and continue to win, because we were, look, man, we, we were high on Kaminga. We're high on Moody. We're high on pool. And we were like, look, they're building this next Wiseman. We're, we're, they're building this next dynasty for the future. Right. And they're not panning out the way they're supposed to pan out. And maybe it's because Jordan Poole got the bag and now he's not going to be working like he was like G, G League. Jordan Poole was a different kind of beast. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I got the bag, Jordan Poole. Um, he just came out today. They asked him, you know, how's your relationship with Draymond? And he said, it's just business, just business. Right. business. I'm like, it's all right. Basketball. So it's basically a fuck you. Okay. Like I don't, I don't like this guy. <laughs> and he, he, and he did punch me. So I understand that's right. been strained since the beginning. Um, but what's your take, man? Because even with Wiggins taking that time off, which he's more than, you know, he had the right to take the time off. He, he was the biggest part of that championship run last year. He had some, you know, some other good, than Steph. Yeah. Other than Steph. Yes. Uh, yeah, excuse me. But, you know, it's a different beast when you got to go up against LeBron guard. He's probably the best player to guard LeBron gives it at least the best effort. Um, I just don't know what they're going to do moving forward. I don't know. And I think it starts with Bob Myers. Like you're saying you can't start building a new team till you have a new coach. Like, I think you got to find if Bob's going to leave, he needs to let them know ASAP. 
right? Or they need to start moving forward right now. What do you think? Yeah. Um, you know, throughout this whole season, I kind of thought Draymond would be the one that was going to be traded here, right? All the money coming in. We knew it was either Poole or Draymond, right? And especially after the altercation that happened at the beginning of the season, it was definitely one of those two guys that was going to be traded either during the season or in this offseason because it is decision time for maybe maybe more for the Warriors than any other organization, right? Suns have a lot to do, as we just talked about, but the Warriors – it really feels like everything is in flux right here, potentially. Uh, they gave Poole too much money too soon. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of maybe maybe 28 or 29, all of the other NBA teams might have looked at Jordan Poole and said, yeah, he's with the year that he gave them. Like, all right, let's let's throw as much money as we can at this kid. But now it makes him a much more difficult piece to trade because you have to find money to come back to make it even, you know, an applicable trade. Or, or you know, several players getting getting traded for Jordan Poole, which doesn't doesn't equate right now, right? Like, who's going to want to trade multiple players for Jordan Poole? Probably not. Probably not on the table. So, while I do think Jordan Poole is the easier one for the Warriors to get rid of and continue with this dynasty, the, you know, with these dynasty pieces anyway, uh, of the legacy of of Curry, Thompson, and Green, uh, it's going to be hard to find a partner to do so. Uh, so I still think both, both Green, Draymond and and Poole are on the block, and they're going to look at options for both. But the first thing they need to do is is lock down Bob Myers. Uh, I don't think you know. There's from what I understand, Joe Lake, of, the owner of the Warriors, really wouldn't mind his son running the mm-hmm. organization and being the GM. I think he's assistant GM there. That's a catastrophe. Please do not do that. I know I'm pretty sure all Warriors fans are in agreement with what I'm saying here. Do not hand the keys over to Joe Lacob Jr. and just see like, all right, cool. Like, you know, I'm the I'm the owner's son. I'll never get fired. Uh, I can do whatever the hell I want. And that that would just be a catastrophe. So so don't do that. Go ahead and lock down Bob Myers. Uh, you know, if you want to interview some other people, see what they're bringing to the table. Maybe you can save a little bit of money by bringing in a different GM or Hiring one of those younger assistant GMs that's out there. There is a there is a decent um, uh, pool of of assistant GMs that are on the younger side that could do a good job anywhere given the opportunity. But uh, if you're going to move forward with keeping number one, Clay Thompson, and of course Steph's going to be there. If you're going to move forward with those two, you might as well keep dream keep Dream on Green and then try to get Poole out of there. And then you should keep Bob Myers. If that's going to be the core that you're going to stick with, you're going to try this again, you're going to keep Steve Kerr and like just the whole group, then keep Bob Myers, right? And then let him work. Let him work. Let's see what's up, you know? Clay should be able to take a pay cut, right? If he wants that. If Why he wants should he, that. though? Why should he? Why should he? Because he shot 34% in this series. Facts. And looked like a shell of himself. Uh, you know, both he and and Jordan Poole shot thirty four percent in this Warriors series in this Warriors Lakers series throughout all all six games. He had one good game. It was game two. He dropped thirty points. After that, he was not the same. Uh, missing shots that you would normally see him hitting, especially in game six. Man, that was that was just brutal to watch. As a you know, as a Lakers fan, I I still love Clay Thompson, and what I was expecting a much better performance out of him, just like all of us were. I, I think, but you know. I think Clay might have to be a little realistic here, just like Draymond Green, right? If, if they all want to do this, yeah, then this is the time to go. Okay, like you know, th- th- maybe the money—the money's still good, right? Like it's not like you're going from zero dollars or a hundred million dollars. 
you know, the money coming in, even if you take a pay cut, still pretty fucking good. Mm. Um, and, you know, Draymond's got other other sources of income. Clay Thompson has other sources of income as well. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And I'll, I'll go back to the fact that Steph was the one that made the first uh, pay cut to keep everybody together this first time this happened, when all their contracts were up at the same time. Steph said, I'll, I'll take I'll take the step back. And then Clay and Draymond were able to elevate their their pay accordingly. It's also easy when you got a billion dollar deal with Under Armour too to take a little bit <laughs> to get a take a yeah. little bit. It, it works. I I feel you. Continue. Definitely. Yeah. De- no. But definitely. Uh, yes. Yeah, Steph ha- obviously has other sources of income as well. Uh, and I, you know, he's a freaking owner, part owner of Under Armour now. So mm-hmm. congrats, Steph. But it still wasn't enough, Drew. So say they bring it all back. It wasn't enough this season. And no, if definitely you're not, not enough. If you're not bringing along the the younger cats, then I just I I don't know. No, it's definitely it's definitely not enough. And and the one guy that I'll that I'll point out here that that not that many people are saying could be traded is Andrew Wiggins. And not because they don't need him. They absolutely need Andrew Wiggins. But it's because of money thing, right? Like if no one's going to be out there going like, "Yeah, we'll take Draymond Green" or "Yeah, we'll take Jordan Poole," people will want Andrew Wiggins. And his deal is pretty sizable, but it's not that bad. And it's actually it's on the back end of it. I think there's only a couple of years left. Or no, they just resigned him. Draymond has a player op this year yeah. that he's going to opt out on. Yes, so he's going to be able to go wherever he he can go wherever they want him. That'll pay him. Right, and I he still hasn't. I don't think he's. I know he came out on that podcast and said mm-hmm. he's going to probably opt out. I don't know if that's the best move for him. And I think he could possibly give himself a little bit more leash and more time on this. Yeah, by opting in. Because uh, it's still decent money for him, uh, and again, that'll all be determined by what the market is, like what his agent is telling him. Mm-hmm. Clutch Sports is like, okay, you know, this is what we're looking at. It's it's a it's a it, the reason for him to opt out is because it is such a shallow free agent pool. So he should be one of the top free, if not the top free He's agent. He's the only one that comes to my mind every time I think about it. Right. So so there's a, there's definitely negotiating power in doing that. But again, it all comes back to like what is what is the a collective decision between these guys about moving forward. Are they willing to say, okay, you know, it's been fun, but let's, let's see what else is out there. Uh, Cause I do think people will want to, as a free agent, people will want to take Draymond green on, but I don't think anyone is going to be able to offer him a maximum contract or, or anyone that, that he would necessarily want to play with uh, for a team in a winning scenario, I can't see a lot of teams out there going like, yeah, here's a max deal for what you offer at your age. <laughs> and we're, and we're also in a winning position, right? Those two things are, are really, far, really hard. What about for Dallas? Somebody. Dallas. A lot of people are talking about Dallas. Mm-hmm. I think Draymond would do great in Dallas. I think Draymond would do great in Portland. I think Phoenix is probably going to, you know, let's check tape. Definitely. I mean, Tom Izzo is, is is coming out to games, and we know the link between Tom Izzo and Ishbia and Ishbia and Michigan State and all that stuff we were talking about. So there, there's definitely going to be landing destinations. But I think the thing that I'm coming back to is, like, which of those destinations has the money and the capacity to pay him a max deal? Dallas, I think, is one. I think Dallas is. I think potentially uh, Portland would be another. But – Phoenix doesn't have the money to do it unless it's a trade, like a sign and trade deal with like Aiton, right? And I don't know if I don't know if the Warriors want to try that whole thing again after what just happened with Wiseman. So I, I it's just gonna be really, really hard, I think, for Draymond to find a max deal and a winning situation. That's all I'm saying. So why not why not take a real hard look at you know what what this pay cut could pay cut could be in dollars and and run it back? Because 
while while the season was so weird and terrible from you know a winning perspective i mean they were the sixth seed and they could barely win on the road they still made it to the second round Mm -hmm. you know and they still pushed us a little bit in this series um and and who knows if if Looney doesn't you know get sick and Gary Payton's thrown up on the court like and, it was and Clay so Thompson crazy, and Clay hits a if Clay hits a couple more threes like like he normally uh, would like then we're then we're in a different space right we're talking a whole lot different game it just really did seem like you know the air was was let out of the balloon uh, in those last couple games for for the Warriors so uh, I do want to say though that Draymond Green's performance in Game Five as you talked about. Ooh. That was a that was a performance for the ages. He was running as fast as I have ever seen him ever, uh, and just playing. I mean, he had what he had fourteen points in the first half. He played fourteen. His of, ass I can't remember the last time he had double digits in, in a half like ever. I there's been a here's long a question time. then. Here's a question because LeBron in Game Six was absolutely phenomenal from the yep. IQ. Uh, point just him taking it to the rack, got every bucket he wanted. It was a freaking masterpiece and i'm like who do you think if i if we had to you know debate about it who had a better game was it game six lebron or game five draymond and i just for whatever reason that whole game i know obviously there was more on the line in game six and lebron was lebron's you know, game was was a like you said it was a masterpiece that was, was a master class masterpiece was, he architected that win that was the best performance of lebron james in this postseason uh and it was better than draymond in game five but draymond okay. really lifted the warriors so right. i'll give you I'm just I guess I was just more taken back about like, God damn, like this, this Draymond could play on any NBA team and be a huge difference. And, you know, it is kind of funny with the with the Gary Payton throwing up. That was unbelievable, by the way. Absolutely (laughs) unbelievable on that. So but but the thing I saw on that play was Draymond and, and these guys are so in sync. Right. And Draymond is so good at what he does in passing and running and setting the plays that. Draymond didn't think Gary Payton that uh, that you know he threw the ball to the bench because Gary Payton was th- was throwing up in the back. He didn't do that out of like as an error. He did it because they've run that play so many freaking times, and it's like second nature that somebody is supposed to be there. Somebody's there, right? yeah. and, and they're always there. Yeah, and it wasn't Draymond with a mental lapse or anything because he's like, where the hell is <laughs> like where is our player? But. Right. Th- those kind of things, man. It's because Draymond runs that play. They run that play as a team so many times to perfection that somebody was supposed to be there and, and they weren't there. But um, I, I do think there has to be something to be said for this is probably Draymond Green's last contract, right? Last big Definitely. contract. Yep. And most players at, at this point, you want the full bag. You know, we can say all the time, well, you've made $125 million in in your career take a pay cut and whatnot. It's really hard to tell professional athletes to not get their value um, and to take a pay cut. So I do think that I think the player off is like 24 or 25 or 27. One of those it's in the, it's in the mid 27. Yeah. yeah, 27. I think it would be bad. I don't think he should test the waters thinking he's going to get 33. Okay. I just don't, I just don't see that. Right. Unless Dallas pays for Dallas can come out of pocket and pay for it. Cause they need something. Cause you know what we, again, I mentioned this on the show. We gave Luca a pass for, for this shitty end of the season and whatnot. They cannot have another season. Like they just did the Kyrie thing's a mess. They need to fix it some way, some way they got to fix that. We can, but we're not talking about Luca for another couple weeks anyways. So, uh, I just don't know, Drew. Seeing what what happened with this season, how up and down, how roller coaster it was, uh, the the fact that they, you know, were were waiting for this to turn the switch on. You know, we kept saying during the whole thing in the, in the Laker playoffs and even in Sacramento. Oh, 
They're a championship team, though. They just got to turn, flip the switch, and they're going to go back to the championship warriors. And it's right. not the same anymore. You know what I mean? So um, uh, it needs to be addressed soon. Things need to happen. I think you, you mentioned before the show, like we have the draft lottery coming up to, like yep. tomorrow, right? You said? Tomorrow. Right. Which is going to change a lot of things for a lot of people, too. So here's a question then. Do you think the big three of the Golden State Warriors will be back next year together? I do. I actually do. I think I think they're going to try their best to keep these three together. Um, Lakeup is not afraid to go out of pocket. He's not afraid of the luxury tax. I think they will. They're going to run this back. Steph Curry is so good. Um, <laughs> you got to capitalize on it now, right? Like you have to. Yeah, and I, I mean, really, I think unless the directive comes from Steph, right? Like, let's just be real. I don't care who the GM is. If Steph comes to Lakeup and goes. I think we need to look at, you know, somebody other than Draymond, somebody other than Clay. If that, I don't think Clay, I could probably never say that about Clay, but there's a chance that he might say that about Draymond. That's the only, really, I think that's the only way that this, that this doesn't remain at least for the next, uh, next season. I, I do still think there's a chance that Draymond opts in, uh, but that I, I, you know, he, he will be a valuable free agent if he opts out. So I, I can see that being He's Jordan Poole on the Warriors next year. No, yeah, I, this 100%. is this is where this is where I've flipped. I thought for sure Poole would be there. I thought he was part Dray- of the future, right? We both and thought. that Draymond would be the one that would mm-hmm. that would go because mm-hmm. he wasn't providing value. But you saw in Game Five what he provides. I will say in Game Six, he he did you know he dropped off a bit. He was a little tired after that Game Five. That's a lot. You know, bro. That he put in put on a lot of effort in Game Five, so it wasn't you know that that also speaks to like you know his age and all the stuff we're talking about like he can't do what he did in game five in an entire playoff series mm-hmm. very few people on the planet can by the way mm-hmm. right? like that's a that's a really herculean effort that he gave and certainly you know willed i mean bullied and willed the warriors to that win in game five uh but you know my gut says that those three guys will be back i don't know who the fuck else will be on the team that's that's kind of what i feel like is like as much as moody impressed me in in these playoffs and in this series in particular they still don't trust Kaminga, so so that has to be addressed, right? And we're talking about like pieces they can trade. Pool could be traded for sure. I Kaminga could be traded for sure. I know that they're high on him, but like, at what point do you try to put him in there? You kept calling for it on, on these podcasts, and I was waiting for it as well. Like, just throw him in, and let's give the Lakers a different look here. Drew, I and wasn't the only. Never one. did it. <laughs> I, I wasn't the only one. There was a lot right. of people like in the media that were like, why are we not, why are they not throwing a body on this? Like, why do you have this guy on your team? We said it again when, uh, uh, when Phoenix was playing, like you have all these players on your bench that you're not using, right? <laughs> Give them 10 minutes. Give and them the, 10 the minutes issue in is, the middle Bonnie, of the game. <laughs> Shamit has one big game and then you try to play him 35 minutes the next night. It doesn't work like that, right. but you, you can be like Lonnie Walker, right? Kuminga can have a Lonnie Walker freaking game, which is now he has clay Thompson has a game. Lonnie Walker has a game. Jason Tatum has a game that, you know what I mean? It's, it's wild. Lonnie Walker saved the season pretty much. From one from one fifteen minute performance, you know what I'm saying. So I I don't understand why they wouldn't use it. And I I, I just, it just baffles me. Like why? And if I'm Kuminga, I'm pissed too. Like what am I here working for every single day? But I I got to guard Draymond every day in practice, and I can't get one <laughs> shot at LeBron. You know what right. I mean? Like give. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. So I'm with you on that too. Unless a Washington will package like Kuzma and some other to get to get uh, Pool, but I don't think people are going to be like, "Yo, I'm going to give up a few of our assets to bring Jordan Pool here to do that same shit that I just saw in the playoffs." 
Nobody wants that. Right. I, you know, I, I'm trying to think of like the teams just off the top of my head, who wants Jordan pool, who can afford Jordan pool, the Knicks, I'll be honest with you. The Knicks need a lot. They could use some shooting. Uh, that's We're not even going to talk about do. the Knicks on this show. There's no, we don't point. need to. That's all I'm, that's all I'm going to bring up it. The Knicks could use them. Um, Cause they can't shoot, right? Charlotte. Why not roll the dice? I mean, why not? What else, what else are you doing? Uh, but you know, really, you know, you look around the league and there is fewer, fewer suitors out there for Jordan Poole than I think we would have expected at this time. Uh, would you rather have Bones Highland on your team or Jordan Poole? Depends on the team. <laughs> if fair. I'm, if I'm the Warriors, I think I would choose Bones Highland. Right, I know. <laughs> I know. That's but, I, I, but that's I, not fair because I think Poole is definitely in a different class, uh, offensively. And I, I mean, look, he's. I think Poole's going to have a long career in the NBA, and we'll look back at this year, and hopefully, this is just a blip. It'll be the year that Draymond punched him in the face, mm-hmm. and that'll be the outstanding outlier of his, you know, career stat line. And I truly believe that the kid has worked very hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did, in my opinion, earn the contract that they gave him. While it was a little bit more north in the dollars than I think most people would expect, I, I think he's a good player, and I think he'll have a good NBA career. So anyway, I if I'm Bob Myers or whoever the hell lands in Golden State, I'm going to do everything I can to bring Clay back at a smaller dollar amount than he wants. I'm going to do everything I can to get Draymond back at a smaller dollar amount that he wants and then tell them that that I'm going to do a better job at putting pieces around you, right? This is where they need to spend more. And in, in the previous seasons, I mean, really – Last year, they were able to, to put it all together with, with just scraps, right? Bielitsa and Otto Porter, and they've tried this time and time again where they go, okay, we know our core, and this is where we're spending our money. Let's get these discount guys in. I, I think that's probably where they need to spend a little bit more in this offseason is finding guys that aren't just like you know one-and-done kind of deals. Like let's invest a little bit deeper into some guys that are available – uh, that are a little bit younger, maybe not not crazy young, but a little bit younger, a little bit more hungry, um, and and that are valued by more than just us, right? I like, think a lot of teams are are looking at that. A lot of teams want that. That's how you win championships is getting those guys. But also going into next year with the new CBA and this second apron yep. that you're going to hear over yep. and over again, this second apron, which is going to make it more difficult and more difficult for very successful teams to be signing those kind of players. They want it to be spread out through the NBA. So people can get the Nicholas Batums and the, and the auto porters and the, the D uh, Vincenzo's those kind of guys. And, mm-hmm. and so it's not just one team being able to get all of them. Second apron is going to be the word, just like, uh, 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 Load management was the word two years ago. Second right. apron is going to be the word going going forward. Um, all right. So those are the teams that lost. We got to talk about the teams that won, and we have a matchup. We have a Western Conference Finals matchup again. Your boys, the 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 Lakers, and we're going against uh, the best player in the NBA right now, which is Joker. I think this series is going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good one. You know, and I was thinking about the four teams left that are going to be playing, and. I, you know, I can't call it. I really can't call it who's going to win the championship. But I will say that Denver has the best player currently. Uh, the Lakers are the hottest team going into these the, these uh, conference finals. Boston is the best team, I think. And mm. then the Heat are like the Rocky and the Rudys, the underdogs that are just going to keep fighting and clawing. And we don't know. I don't know how to call it with these guys. But as far as Denver Lakers go, 
again, going into this series, it's going to be all about Anthony Davis. It's going to be all about Anthony Davis making Joker work for everything that he's got. Uh, obviously, a lot of talk is, you know, Joker on the defensive end, how he's been a little, it's been a little rough. Uh, but Anthony Davis has got the work cut out for him as well. Mm-hmm. And I personally think that, you know, we talked about Phoenix and uh, the troubles that KD had. And these players like KD and like LeBron and like, uh, Luca and stuff, you 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 don't stop them, right? Like there's no stopping KD or stopping Steph. What you do is you make them work. They have to work harder, make everything mm-hmm. tough for them. And that's what Aaron Gordon does. All right. Aaron Gordon is 6'8, 250 pounds. He makes it hard for Kevin Durant and tiring for Kevin Durant. That's why the shots were flat. That's why, you know, he wasn't getting into his rhythm on a lot of those jumpers. And I don't think Aaron Gordon is going to stop LeBron James, but body for body, Aaron Gordon is bigger than Andrew Wiggins. Uh, I think Aaron Gordon has been playing out of his mind this, this whole year. I think defensively it's going to be huge for Aaron on LeBron and Joker is going to have to be, I mean, I'm saying he's going to have to be spectacular. He's been nothing less than spectacular Mm -hmm. this whole series. The numbers this guy's putting up, they're not good numbers. They're not great numbers. These are historic numbers that are being put up by one man, right, that can do everything. And AD is going to have to be playing a lot of defense away from the rim with this guy, too. He's going to have to be pulled out to the three-point line. Uh, I think foul trouble, I think foul calls, which have gone – and I'm not throwing shade, Drew, but the Lakers have gotten pretty much all the calls this complete the playoffs a lot. They've gone to the line a lot. Um, I think key for Denver is going to be – uh, getting to the free throw line, getting AD in trouble, and trying to contain LeBron in any way that they can. They do have big bodies, right? They have guys that like to reach out and touch somebody in Aaron Gordon, in Bruce Brown, in uh, KCP, uh, in Michael Porter Jr., who, who if he's going to be anything, just be, be the Michael Porter Jr. that we all think you are this series. This, this should be your coming out series, all right, Michael? Knock down some shots, uh, I think it's going to be great, man. I think, uh, you know, just the momentum that the Lakers have had going into the playoffs and now going into the, I, I still cannot believe you're in the Western Conference Finals. It breaks my freaking heart, right? But also, I'm tipping my cap because whatever they did worked. Uh, LeBron seems to be uh, way more trusting right now with a lot of the players, Austin Reeves included, Uh Looking for that open guy, you know, Schroeder's been doing his his little thing. He's not like yes. crazy out of control Schroeder right now, even though I thought he poked the bear in game six. I was going to text you like early in the game, him and Draymond were getting into it and he was flexing. I'm like, oh, shit, maybe that maybe that's a uh, maybe that's going to wake these guys up. But um, I think it's going to go seven, Drew. I think it's going to go seven and I think it's going to come down to Anthony Davis and that matchup against Joker in the paint. That's definitely the that that's that's definitely the the deciding factor in this series, and and I think you made a good point. It's not really can Anthony Davis stop Nikola Jokic. Um, to me, it's more like can Jokic stop AD or can can AD not stop himself? You know, because I think AD can do whatever he wants offensively against Jokic, and I think he's probably the hardest defender that Jokic will face thus far, yes. and probably you know. Throughout the if it, if Denver advances to the finals, it, it'll be the hardest guy because there's no Giannis, right? So, um, and there's no Embiid uh, now. So, 
this will be the biggest matchup for Jokic, but he is coming off uh, a pretty pretty good performance in the last series. 35 points, 10 assists, 13 rebounds for the entire series against this, the Suns on 59.4% from the field and close to 45% from three. So that's tough, right? That's pretty tough. However, this should be not an easy matchup by any means for Anthony Davis, but it, it should be a matchup where he can feel pretty confident in himself. Uh, the thing that I'll be looking at most for from a Lakers perspective is not how Anthony Davis will defend Jokic. I think he's going to do his best. I think he's going to try really hard, and I think Jokic is going to do what he's going to do. He's, sometimes he's going to just go crazy for 40 or 50. So be it. To me, it's about the team defense around Anthony Davis. We had a pretty good team defense against the Warriors, but you can see sometimes we turn off. Like one or two guys will just turn off and they'll get a backdoor cut. And that's what this Nuggets team does. Like they they run through uh, Jokic and then Jamal will do his thing. Jamal Murray will do, will do his thing. I'm not so worried about how we're going to defend those guys individually. I'm so nervous about how we're collectively going to defend the Nuggets because their offense is pretty beautiful when it when they decide to run it the way that we know that they can. So uh, to me, it's like, okay, Anthony Davis, can you make Jokic work hard? Something you just pointed out. Can you make him work harder than he's had to work thus far in these playoffs? I think he can do that. I think he yes. can make work harder. And then, you know, the chips will fall where they may. On the opposite side, can you get Jokic in foul trouble? Yeah. Can you attack him and and expose his one-on-one weaknesses, which is definitely defense, one-on-one defense. He's not, you know, that's why a lot of people probably voted for Embiid over Jokic for the MVP this year, it probably came down to one-on-one defense. Uh, so I think Anthony Davis can, can expose Jokic on the defensive end. He's Jokic is not a terrible defender. I think some people really take that too far. He is not a terrible defender. He is a big body. He's strong. And I think the things that Anthony Davis is, likes to do, Jokic will be able to affect in some form or fashion, but AD can and should force the issue on the offensive end. And, and we know that that has been very inconsistent from Anthony Davis offensively in these postseason only has uh, two games of back-to-back uh, 20 points or more in the entirety of the postseason. Didn't even get to 20 points in game six. We didn't need it. He got 20 rebounds, right? So that's, that's fantastic. And I don't have a problem with his game six performance because everything else was working really well. And LeBron was doing his thing. So that's the big one. Um, and I think everyone watching the series is going to look at that matchup and go, cool. Like, let's see, let's see what's up because, uh, we had this in the bubble and Jokic did not have this team, uh, with him. Jokic still played well, but he did not have this group of this cast of characters. And we, you know, KCP has got a little inside knowledge being on the Lakers in the past, although this is a completely different team than he was on the other side of this too, like the Aaron Gordon, LeBron matchup. That's definitely what it's going to be, right? They're going to put. Aaron Gordon on LeBron, I think sometimes recently the Nuggets have been have been using Aaron Gordon as a backup center. I don't think that'll work very much because the Lakers, just like the Suns with Kevin Durant, the Lakers are playing Anthony Davis a lot of minutes. Uh, so that's where altitude is going to come into play as well. Like can AD, you know, stay healthy, stay on his feet and continue to put in 42 minutes a game because we were we have been really bad when he comes off the floor uh, in both the series that we've played so far as the Lakers. Uh, so can Aaron Gordon uh, score against LeBron? That's that's mm. the other side. Mm. I think Aaron Gordon will do a really good job on LeBron defensively. I think he's going to make it difficult. He's going to body him up. He's going to be athletic. He's going to be reaching and physical, all those things. But can he score against LeBron? And I think he can 
if LeBron switches off and makes a backdoor cut or an alley-oop or things like that, right? So I think LeBron, to me, I, I need to see him commit defensively, not to try and like stop Aaron Gordon one-on-one. They don't do that. They don't do that. But but when uh, AD is guarding Jokic and he makes a move past him, you know, be aware of where Aaron Gordon is. Because a lot of times when that happens, he's the one cutting down the lane. So Jokic can make a nice little dish for a slam dunk for, for Gordon. And LeBron needs to be able to affect that play. Uh, he also needs to help. Uh, wisely help when Jamal Murray gets around D'Lo or when he gets around Austin Reeves or Schroeder, who is uh, playing, you know, I would say the best basketball that he's played for us in a Laker jersey in this postseason. And I have not talked about him enough on this podcast. Uh, I gave a lot of credit to Jared Vanderbilt in previous episodes, but Schroeder really locked in and did a great job against Steph Curry and a great job defensively. And I think he was pretty smart offensively for the most part. Uh, for the Lakers in both Memphis and, and but especially against the, that Warriors team. So I would love to see Schroeder continue to do that. Um, but it's it's really, uh, like I said, the, the team defense aspect for the Lakers comes down to it, keeping your head on a swivel. D'Lo can't get lost looking at the ball, which is going to happen. That's going to happen a lot. 100%. Austin, Reeves, Austin Reeves can't get lost in like trying to take a charge when he shouldn't. Like just be be aware of where their offense is running and how it's going. Uh, and then for us offensively, I think we, we, we we're playing really good offensive basketball right now. Um, you know, we've had some, some moments and some games where, you know, Reeves doesn't have it or D'Lo doesn't have shit. Talk about up and down. D'Lo has been up and down for sure. So there's games where he's not going to have it, but we seem to be able to score the ball relatively effectively. And I think we can get out and transition on this team. That would be, a key offensive component for me. Uh, let's lock down defensive rebounds and let's push a little bit. Let's see if we can push and get because Jokic is slow, right? So if we can get up the up the court fast, that can that can lead to easy buckets for us. Um, and I, I look, I'll, I'll say it now: it, it's Lakers and six. The, the theme continues. Oh, it's Lakers and six. If we're going to win, it's Lakers and six. There's no way we can do Game Seven in Denver with that altitude. After having Anthony Davis play all these minutes, LeBron James play all these minutes. Um, but I think this series is set up for us to take it the same way that we did this Warriors team. I'm surprised uh, not, you didn't not, use I'm surprised you didn't use the token term of non-Jokic minutes, which everybody likes to talk about. Taking advantage of those non-Jokic minutes. Who's going to be the guy that steps up? Uh, and gets you buckets during that time. Hopefully, it's LeBron. I, I, I'm sure Joker's going to be out when AD goes out. Right? That's how it's going to work. I think it's going to be the other way around. Jokic mm. has a pretty set schedule for when he like his 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 substitution pattern is pretty set. I wonder if they'll alter that because the non Jokic minutes and the non AD minutes have been pretty bad for both teams. Right? When both of those guys go off the floor, things change uh, a lot for both teams. Obviously, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense that that it would. Um. We, I trusted LeBron to run an offense and Austin Reeves to run an offense when Anthony Davis isn't on the court. Um, I think, and our, our, you know, uh, uh, supporting cast to be able to, to withstand those non Jokic minutes. But my hope is that we do rest AD when Jokic is out. Not, it doesn't have to be every single minute that Jokic is gone that AD doesn't need to be on the court. Cause I think we'll, we'll actually be able to use those minutes to get back in games that we're down because inevitably we will be down. Um, you know, when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, game one and game two, but the, it's this, to me, it's the same recipe, uh, if we're going to get out of this series. 
And I think this is going to be a very, very good series. I'm excited for it. I think we're going to see some excellent basketball. Uh, but the Lakers have to steal one of game one or two. It's the same recipe. We got it. I would love for them to steal game one. We're going to be rested. I hope they're in Denver right now. They trying are. To get they acclimated. are. I hope they got there yesterday. Uh, You know, happy Mother's Day. Here's a card. We're getting on a plane. We're going to Denver. Like, let's get acclimated to the altitude uh, and let's steal game one. Let's come with a lot of energy. Let's come with a lot of intensity, physicality, and let's steal game one. And then we'll come back home and we'll be able to to take it in six. I still I I'm I Denver doesn't lose at home. They don't. Uh, You know, the Warriors didn't lose at home a lot either, but we were able to steal a couple games there. So, um. Yeah, that's the recipe for success to me is let's get game one, and it, it'll it, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a battle, bro. It's gonna be a battle, uh, but I'm I'm very excited for this matchup, and I think we can do it. I I do. I think we can get to the finals here. Uh, the the last piece I'll mention is is experience. Um, we have a decent amount of experience on this team. We got a lot of guys that haven't been this far on our roster, but when you have LeBron and Anthony Davis that have won a championship together that have beaten this Denver Nuggets team together to get to a championship. uh, Although that was in Orlando, uh, that's going to go a long way. And nobody on this Denver team outside of KCP has, has that experience. Well, you say Uh, the experience, but like, you know, you only have two players from the 2020 chip in AD and, and LeBron. And, you know, these guys have been playing together for a long time. Yes. They haven't played for a championship or anything like that, but they have been playing together for a while so they have experience with each other well but they, jamal murray missed two years and yeah i i you i i my point is i think if you were going to put the scales of experience out there it definitely leans the lakers favor well yeah because they want a chip i i think you know while everybody wants to talk about joker and ad as as the matchup what everybody's going to be looking for and they want to talk about you know aaron gordon and braun I'm watching a subplot, bro. I'm watching the white boys. We got Austin Reeves and Christian Brown going yep. at each other. That's the one I want to see because Christian Brown's been great. I told you at the beginning of the year, I love his game. I want to punch him in the face sometimes, but I want to see that little matchup because he's a fantastic rookie, dude. He is. I don't played. think they're going to be matched up against each other. I think they're going to they have Christian. to at some point, Drew. No, no. I think they're going to use Christian Brown against LeBron a lot. I do. Oh, like, cool. Those... Just to piss him off <laughs> and just be and be real physical. Right. Like, they use they use Christian Brown against Kevin Durant a lot, and he was mm-hmm. pretty effective. Uh, like when they needed to sit Aaron Gordon, he'd come in. All right, and he's and they have they have what can Brown do for you? They got Bruce Brown, they got Christian Brown, so they come in with the Brown Brown lineup, uh-huh. and Bruce Brown tends to guard one of the guards, right? So my guess is Bruce Brown will be on Austin Reeves or D'Lo or Schroeder, mm-hmm. one of those guys, and Christian Brown will end up being on. LeBron James. They can always they can alter they can you know they can they can interchange that too because Bruce Brown can play a lot bigger than he is. But Christian Brown is big. I mean, he's like you know he wants the smoke too, Drew. Drew, he he wants the smoke. He does not back down. I I really like Christian Brown. I'm I'm glad you brought him up because it is nice for us to have uh, the Reeves Brown potential matchup Uh uh, staring at us in the face in this in this game uh, in, in in this series. But um. What what happened in the Warriors series is Jaron Vanderbilt Vanderbilt started playing less and less and less, and Schroeder started playing more and more. And I don't know how that'll work in this series. Uh, I do think we can leave Vanderbilt on the court a little bit more in this series uh, because Contavious Caldwell Pope uh, is not really an offensive threat. He's a catch and shoot threat. He's a defensive player. Aaron Gordon, only an offensive threat on the cut. So if you want LeBron to rest a little bit. Or corner three. He's worked on the corner three. Vanderbilt? 
No, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon. Yes, yeah, sure. He he's doing great. I, I I don't want to diminish his skills, but he's not an, an offensive one on one type of a player. He is a, a team offense like cut rebound uh, catch and shoot three. Uh, so that's w- the point that I'm making though is if we, if we want to allow LeBron to pick up some minutes as he has resting during these games while he's in the game, Vanderbilt will be pretty key to like shifting that for us. I still think he can he's going to play. I think he's going to play more in this series than he did against the Warriors outside of game one. I also think that it's going to be a really great chess match. We're seeing two guys with super high IQ in LeBron and Joker. They both do it in their own ways and whatnot, but I think it's going to come down to that. I don't think there's going to be a lot of blowouts at all. I think these games are going to be close. I could be totally wrong because it seems like every series there is a huge yeah. blowout game no matter what. But uh, I do think that there should be a drinking game where if you do drink, that there should be either you should drink a shot for every time it said non-joker minutes, non-joker non-jokic minutes, <laughs> and every time they mention the altitude, every single time. Yeah, because that is the fun fun point to make. Yeah, you'll time. be hammered by halftime. Uh, <laughs> that that would be a great drinking game. Um, I I really want to condemn Darvin Ham, uh, con- commend condemn. Don't condemn. I really, I, I really want to. <laughs> I really want to commend Darvin Ham. Um, you know, not necessarily like X's and O's type of stuff, but like man management type of stuff. He, the the the, the Lonnie Walker game is a perfect example of that. Uh, Lonnie was not getting any run towards the end of this uh, regular season and barely any. I don't even know if he got on the court very much. He was starting against, at the beginning of the year. Against Memphis, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when the trade happens, we got to explore these new guys. He's trying to fit them in. Beasley starts and then Beasley falls off a cliff and then Austin Reeves starts and Vanderbilt's getting a lot of run and – Lonnie just got lost in the mix. So I want to commend Darvin Ham for, for trying something new uh, against the Warriors. And we needed a, we needed something different. We did, you know, uh, Clay, when he went off in game two, uh, wasn't, we weren't, we weren't matching that well. Lonnie brought us a whole nother look uh, and, and obviously is, is a hell of an athlete. I would expect Lonnie to play quite a bit, quite a bit in this series, because when he's in, we actually do get out and transition a lot better. Um, and, and is, and is a suit like a superstar athlete though. So can cause Jamal Murray problems can cause, uh, you know, other guys on that team that might be trying to, to score problems. Um, so I, I, obviously I want to, you know, pat Lonnie Walker on the butt and tell him that he'll forever be Lonnie Walker, the fourth, fourth quarter game four. it's Lonnie Walker, the fourth all day. Uh, and I love Lonnie Walker. That was incredible, incredible performance. I don't know if we make it out of that series without that game four from him. And and he played pretty well, you know, in the minutes after in games five and six. But uh, I I think Darvin Ham, while he might not be like again X's and O's, might not be the greatest X's and O's type of coach or play, play calling type of coach. He is doing a great job of getting. Uh, of understanding who's hot, who's not, and and when to switch things up. I think in past, you know, in the, in this regular season, sometimes I would get frustrated with him, like, why is this guy coming in? Why is this guy coming in? But he used all of those uh, games and examples and minutes that he saw over the regular season to really assess and evaluate this squad, uh, especially in the second half. And I think he has a really, really good handle on this roster and I trust him to make really good in-game decisions when it comes to player personnel. So I'm excited uh, that we have him as our head coach. And being ready, staying ready. Lonnie Walker was ready for when his number got called. And well, that's the other he, side. Yeah, well, yeah you, it, you next man up always. And, you know, in these playoffs, it, there's there's a lot 
a lot of times it is those other guys we'd said before this even started, like, look, Monty Williams realizing that Shamit could be wide open on these shots in that one game against Denver and knocking them down and going with him, like relying on Shamit to hit these big shots. And Shamit has had a huge game. And then seeing that Lonnie Walker is going to go the first, he, he had his first two shots. I'm like, Oh shit, they're going to let it burn. And then Lonnie comes in the next game and just starts firing up shit. And it just, you know, that's how things go, but you're totally right. They're going to need another athletic body. He does love to get out in transition. He loves to finish around the rim. So he might, he might be, do you think that's going to be your other guy? Is that going to be the guy this series or is it Reeves? Are you going with Reeves? Well, I don't think we're going to alter the starting lineup. The only alteration it, to me, it's it's whether or not we start Vanderbilt or we start Schroeder, right? I think so, Schroeder's going to be a starter, but but then then that means we're going three guards small, and that means LeBron has to guard Aaron Gordon, and then who's going to guard MPJ, who's six ten, like won't but, post up, but who's going to guard that guy? So that's why I I think Vanderbilt will start this series, and then and then Darvin will go okay. Like, does D'Lo have it? Does Vanderbilt have it? Like, is Vanderbilt able to make a layup tonight? No? Okay. Schroeder's coming in or Lonnie Walker's coming in. Uh, that's kind of what the way that I think. I mean, because while Denver, Denver, uh, they're, they're, they're pretty big. Right? I mean, like, if you look at their lineup, you know, they have KCP and, and Jamal, who are normal sized guards, I guess. Jamal's pr- uh, pretty big also. But I, you know, I think uh, we'll probably start with maybe Austin Reeves guarding. MPJ or Vanderbilt guarding MPJ. I would like Vanderbilt to guard Jamal Murray. That's how I want to start. I would like to see Vanderbilt on Jamal Murray, make it very difficult for him. And then we can put, we can figure out uh, D'Lo, maybe you guard MPJ and, and, and Reeves, you guard KCP and LeBron, you match up with Gordon. And of course, AD and Jokic match up that way, but it'll be fun to see the tinkering that goes on between both Malone and, and Darvin Ham in this series because I think there will be some tweaks over the over the course of the games. All right, can we can we move to the east east coast please? Let's can do we, it. All right, we got to we got to bring up uh another disappearing act by our boy James Harden and our <laughs> our MVP this season in Joel Embiid. Uh it, it was it was garbage. Absolute garbage, man. Embiid scored 15 points. Uh it tied for the third worst shooting performance of his playoff career, 5 for 18. Uh, Harden just disappeared. Looked like he wanted no parts of this game. I don't want to, I, I keep wanting to say coward. Coward is the word that keeps coming to my head. But like, how do you have these huge game one and game threes and then just look like you game do four. not, what's that game four? And you don't want to even be there in a winner go home setting. And, you know, this is par for the course with James Harden. We have seen this so many times. And I also feel that like they're going to, you're going to call They're going to pull the card on Embiid saying he was injured, which he was. Okay. It, that's, yep. that's fine. But you are the MVP. You need to be better than that. And you know, Embiid and Harden averaged 54 points per game combined this season. They scored 24 total points in game seven and Maxi PJ Tucker and, and Harris combined for 47. That just can't happen with your two superstars. And we'll get into Doc in a minute. The other thing that pisses me off <laughs> is Embiid's post-game quote. Me and James, we just can't win alone. That's why basketball is five on five. We need everybody to find ways to do better. That's a cop-out to me, dude. And uh, I couldn't believe he said that. You know, He also he also said, I need to do better. Like the, the That's quote fair. Got- he he said he said first I need to do better, 
And then he did say everyone needs to do better. And I think you're the MVP. Fair, yeah. Don't put you, don't put the rest of your team on blast like that. All right. You're the MVP. Take full responsibility or call out the other superstar on your team, which is this has happened to him so many times. Right. Call out the guy that didn't want to take shots, had layups and doesn't want to, which which we've seen before. This isn't the first time. Mm. You know what I mean? We saw this with Ben Simmons. Is James Harden the new Ben Simmons? Didn't Don't want to take shots. Don't want to play in the big games. Like, what are we doing here? And yes, Doc needs to be coming to play on this, too. And you, you mentioned in the beginning of the show. Probably within the next 48 hours, Doc will be fired. I am calling that it'll probably be tonight. At the yeah. end of this podcast, probably by the time I'm flipping on uh, Yellow Jackets on Showtime to watch it to catch up on my Showtime show, <laughs> Doc Rivers will no longer be a coach in Philadelphia. And it sucks, but, you know, and by the way, MB, the only the only NBA uh, MVP in history to never make a conference finals. That's what Embiid's at right now. Wow. He's 0-4 now in Game 7s. 0-4 in Game 7s now. Mm. And, you know, you've been lobbying for, for years to become the MVP. You wanted this award. You, you, you said you deserve the award. You get the award. And we had said, even before the award was given out, like, who cares about the MVP trophy when you're going to be out in the first round, right? Giannis, you know, happened to Joker last year. Embiid's out in the second round. But, like, look, besides Doc's championship in 08, like, <laughs> it's been a failure, all right, like he's le- he's blown series leads. Listen to all these, bro. Let's mm-hmm. go back to. I'm not going to give you the one O series leads, right? Like those don't count. You don't blow right. one, right? No, one O is yeah. That's not even a series yet. Yeah, that doesn't count. So don't. I, and I feel bad for Doc because they include some of them on here. But like, look, 2003 led the Pistons three one. 2009 led Magic three two. Uh, 2010 led Lakers three two. 2012 led Heat three two. 2014 led led Thunder. Uh, that's a 1-0, excuse me. 2015, 3-1, uh, 2016-2-0, 2017-2-1, 2020-3-1, 2021-2-1, 2023-3-2. right? The coaches aren't the ones playing in the game. They're not. And they're always the first one to get the blame and get fired. It's the easiest thing to do. Um, and Doc will most likely get fired. He was on the hot seat all year anyways. Yep. And uh, I think he did his best with what he had. I think Maxi came along fine this year. I don't think they used Tobias Harris the the way they should. Tobias Harris is a good basketball player. There are no plays that that are being run for Toby at all. You have PJ Tucker, you know, running around for forty minutes, not taking shots. Yet he, he had a huge game seven, right? He had eleven quick hit his hit yeah. a few three pointers. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like that. What I want to bring up is like, what's going to happen next? Because there's been talking about all year how Harden wants to go back to Houston, which is just so weird to me. Like he just wants to go back home and just like play basketball, no pressure. He doesn't care about winning. It's obvious he doesn't care about winning a championship. It's is it obvious to you? Because it's obvious to me he doesn't care. And what does Philly do from from here on out now? Because if you run it back, it's just going to be the same shit again. Like nothing's going to change. It's going to be pick and roll. Harden's going to play the way Harden plays. They're going to try to run this MB pick and roll thing while other players just run around and hopefully make shots when they do. And if Harden wants to go back to Houston, go back to Houston, dude. Do they do they blow this all up? Like, are they going to bring in some super innovative coach that's going to change the whole offense and not be Embiid centric, which it has to be, right? Mm. I just don't know. I just don't know what they're going to do. But I thought it was a, you know, I think I think Embiid can lean on the fact he was hurt, right? That's fine. You could say I was hurt. Harden wasn't hurt because I, I saw two games where he looked like the best player in the NBA, right? And on the other end, 
I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it's a historical performance from Jason Tatum. That's what it is. And he he's had a few from from that game. Uh, it was a game six from the from halftime on, right? Like this guy has been absolutely unbelievable. Nobody can guard Jason Tatum last night, whether it's Embiid, whether it's Jesus Christ came down. He he was just on one yesterday. Right. Yep. And the reason why I say that they're the best team, I think they are the best team. They're the best constructed team. The Celtics. I think, now you're saying, yes, right? Yes, yeah. I do. From top to bottom, they've been playing together for a while. They have playoff yeah. experience together for a while. They've been in the trenches. They've lost bad games. They've won big games. Uh, you know, every year we talk about Tatum's just on the cusp of becoming like the guy, right? Like he is, he's turning into the LeBron-esque type of type of guy, the next big guy. You know, I think he's ahead of Luca right now. I do. I think he's uh ahead of Booker, even after going seeing what we just saw in the playoffs, maybe him and Booker are, are neck and neck. Um, it was a great performance from, from Jason Tatum, but that 33 to five run, letting that shit happen, not putting somebody on a, their ass, not adjusting, not figuring it out. Why is MB guarding Jason Tatum? Like why, why is it, how is that even happening? You know? So yeah, they, I, kept, I, they kept switching the screens. <laughs> I, that's what they, but you need to adjust, man. You got to figure it. it out. Like it just yeah. reminded me so much of uh, Donovan Mitchell and Zubak. How I was like, by the fourth yeah. time, by the fifth time, you're getting cooked. Like fucking figure it out. Got to do something different. Yeah, got to do something <laughs> figure, different. Figure it out. Yeah. So, um, anyways, I, th- that's where I'm at with Philly. I don't, I don't necessarily know what they're going to do. I know they love Embiid. I don't think there's going to be a, a Embiid's going to request a trade or anything like that. But the, it's just another team that Harden wants to get the hell out of and just wants to go back to his Houston living. Uh, and and I, I, why you'd want to go play on that team, I don't know, dude. Like I really don't know. It's because you don't care about winning a championship, right? That's that's the only thing I come up with. So, what do you think Philly does next? Uh, what, what, what do they do? Yeah. Um, I think this is a good destination for Monty Williams. Um, if they decide to keep James Harden, even if they don't, I think Monty Williams could, could do something different here. Um, I do think it's probably, it's probably time for Doc to retire. Uh, I don't know how much more of this he can take. Those numbers I just gave you were wild, right? They're brutal. He's lost 10 game sevens. <laughs> sevens. Woo! Okay, so let me start with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually don't think... I mean, Doc wasn't great in game seven. That's an understatement. But mm-hmm. yes, he probably could have done something in that 33, you know, 33, 33-5, run, run, whatever that was, that run that they went on in the second quarter that was incredible. Or the third third quarter, excuse me. Um I actually think Doc's biggest mistake was in Game Six. Yeah, they they didn't close it out. That's that's the one that really, to me, more than whatever happened in Game Seven. I mean, fifty-one unbelievable points from Jason Tatum. Game Seven. Well, you're probably you, you you might lose you might lose that one, right? Maybe you don't lose it in the in the in the crazy fashion which they did. If you have a better coach, or you can break it up, or just fucking I don't know, put three guys on Tatum, whatever you want to do. That one's that one's a really hard game to win you know you're away from home their best player is having the best game of his life okay that's tough game six mb doesn't touch the ball in the last five minutes of the game last four minutes of the game at home with a chance to go to <laughs> conference finals mm-hmm. that is a fireable offense to me if i if i'm daryl Morey, if i'm you know the, i think they have a group of owners in the sixers if i'm a, a part of that ownership group of the sixers and i'm daryl Morey. 
uh, that's where I almost fired Doc before Game Seven. Like that, that would drive me up the wall. That you just let this thing slip through your fingers at home, and your MVP, the guy that you have been, I mean, just lifting up on a ladder to say he's the best player in the NBA. Yes. You don't even get him the ball. Mm-hmm. That's that is atrocious. It's time go go. You know, Doc, your son's got a podcast with the Ringer. Uh, you can go be an analyst, an announcer. He's done that in the past. Let the let the let that coaching ship just sail away into the horizon. It's okay. He's it's gonna okay. get picked up so quick, Drew. So quick. I sure. Yeah. Whatever. I wherever whoever needs him. Fine. He can get you. He he can get you almost there and then break your heart. So whatever organization needs that, there you go. You can have that from Doc Rivers. Um. I know he won't be going to Phoenix, that's for sure. No. Um, Chris Paul, he's not having that. So, uh, but, okay. So, Doc screws screws the pooch in game six, puts his team in a, in a – well, you know, again, Doc isn't – he's not making the passes. He's not making the plays in game six. But that's where Coach – I would call three timeouts in a row and say if, if Embiid does not touch the ball – this next possession, all four of the rest of you are coming to sit next to me because I'm putting four guys in that will get and beat the ball, right? That's what that is. Um, and then game seven, it's it's hard to say that we didn't see this coming from Harden. It's hard to say that we couldn't predict that this would happen. It was certainly an up and down. I mean, the last our last episode was called Roller Coaster, and it was really based off Anthony Davis, and but mostly James fucking Harden, who would go 40 points, 9 points, 11 points, 40 points. And, you know, in game five and six, he wasn't he wasn't tremendous. He wasn't scoring off the, you know, go, wasn't going crazy. I think Maxi would have had a great game um, uh, in that game five or whatever it was. But anyway, uh, I think you're right. Now, I think it's pretty easy for us to say uh, that James Harden at this point cares more about the money he's going to make and his comfortability in his situation than he does about going for championships. And I think that's okay. Um, you know, it. I think it's all right for us to say that. He he really did go for it in Houston. There was four years where he was, he was trying to win. I think he gave it his all. And I think that's okay for us to admit that that's, that maybe he's done with that portion of his, of his NBA career. Um, it just, I don't, I won't be able to, I hope there's like a memoir or an insider book written about what the hell happened to James Harden and what, what a weird career that he has had uh, so that we can get some more information about it. And, and look, if he's going to leave in free agency uh, and go back to Houston, great. Cause this kid Maxi is ready. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. I think Tyrese Maxi is ready to go. Uh, so run it. Maxie got to learn a lot from Harden, right? How how to run the pick and roll, how to slow down. Uh, I don't think Maxie has mastered that by any means, and not even close to the way that James Harden has. But he's he's been able to watch the master work in that capacity, and James Harden's still a master in that capacity when he wants to be. Uh, run it back with Embiid, of course, Maxie, and you can still build around that. You got Tobias Harris, who is fine. I think he's fine, right? He's getting paid a lot of money. Okay, whatever. A lot of people are getting paid a lot of money right now. Um, but run it 
run it back with Maxine and Bede and let's see what happens, right? Let's get a new coach in there. Let's see if you can get some new some new blood in there as well, some other players, um, you know, and 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 rebuild that way. I don't think, you know, clearly you're holding on to Embiid, right? He's the MVP. You're not going to trade Embiid unless he goes, I definitely want out of this situation. But what you do before that happens is you fire the coach, you get rid of Harden, you bring in new stuff. We say, okay, we're going to try again before you ask out. Uh, now let's talk about Embiid. Embiid averaged 33.1 points per game during the regular season and throughout the entirety of the postseason averaged 23.7 points per game. Uh, that's a that's minus 9.4, and that's the largest drop uh, by that year's MVP in NBA history. So anytime the NBA MVP goes in the postseason, they usually drop maybe a little bit. Right. Scoring, you know, you're not going to always score 33 points a game in the playoffs. Things slow down. They drop a little bit, but not almost 10 points. So he's got to look in the mirror much more than he did in that postseason press conference or the, the, the postgame press conference. Right. He did. I, I I interjected because he did actually say, I got to be better. But I think he just said that because he's trying to point the finger at everybody else. He knows how bad that was. He knows how constantly he's injured in the postseason. And, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt against Kawhi Leonard. You got the, the the four bouncer, the heartbreak that stops you from potentially going to the, you know, ob- obviously definitely stopped him from the Eastern Conference Finals, but could, could have potentially been a finals visit for Embiid. Outside of that year, it's been really, really bad. And uh, as much as I do want to blame Doc Rivers for game six and Embiid not getting the ball, he, he's also got to be doing some, some chirping there as well. He's got to demand the ball. And never once in this series that I feel confident that he was getting to spots to demand the ball on the block like he should have. Uh, so he definitely can still improve, which is incredible because he's the MVP. We've actually we've we've talked a little bit about that as as these guys have been given MVP trophies. Uh, Giannis, we knew after his MVP, he could still improve and and has and took a step back this year, but has improved after winning MVP. Jokic continues to be the best player in the NBA, as we talked about, he's definitely better than Joel Embiid right now. That's yes. for sure. Yes. And we can, we can, we can, you know, we can say that that's due to injury. Fine. We can say that because Embiid, it was impressive at times in this series defensively uh, where Jokic is not, but at least for right now, <laughs> Jokic is definitely better than Embiid. Um, I think Embiid can still improve. And I, and I hope that he actually thinks that I hope he didn't think that winning MVP just like stamped it. He's like, cool, I'm good. I can go back to eating. That's what it felt like though. It did. And that's my worry. That's my worry. It did feel like he was like, Oh, good. I'm the MVP. Y'all need to, y'all need to feed me. Y'all need to get where Joker and Giannis don't, didn't do that. It made them work harder. Correct. Cause you're set to it. Now there's a bar. You are the best player. They, they, They labeled you the best player in basketball, the most valuable player in basketball. Yep. And then to do that, like if you're Philly fans, you get again with coaching, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink, right? Exactly. You can tell them everything you want, right? And I'm look, Doc gets a lot of shit, and, and rightfully so, he should. But I, I'm not saying that he's a bad coach. You can't be out there playing, right? You he's a bad play- game seven coach, but yeah, keep going. Okay, no, you're no, you're right. You're totally right. <laughs> like MB not getting the ball for five minutes is 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 wrong. It's absolutely yeah. wrong, especially, and- especially when you need a bucket. You need your MVP. And they're both to blame there. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it has to be Doc has to say that the thing that I said. Like everyone's out of the game except for Embiid if you don't give him the ball. Mm-hmm. But he also Embiid has to put himself in the spots to get the ball 
on the court and you know like it, it has to be in tandem and um yeah both of them are to blame for that shit game seven i i it he had the weird thing where he stepped on marcus smart and all right then maybe that tweaks the, the ankle and that tweaks the knee and then i maybe you're off right and i i that one i'm i'm more willing to excuse his performance in game seven than again game six is where that game six is where philly lost this whole thing so uh Harden, I go ahead, let him go. I really do. I think I think it's fine. I mean, Daryl wants to hang on to him for his whole dear life. Mm-hmm. Daryl's essentially Daryl's rise to fame is on the shoulders of James Harden. So I understand that. Well, if you but could right, pull a sign and trade with Harden to Houston and get some assets, you know, some, that would be ideal. Yeah, that'd be the way to go if they can. And I think with the relationship between Maury and Harden, like Harden would be open to doing that, right? I want to go to Houston. We can get to that couple couple assets coming your KPJ or maybe get Jabari if they if they could throw Jabari in there. I don't know if Jabari would be in the mix, but uh, they have young assets, and if if they could finagle that, that would be a good move. Because it's it's like I don't even know where the the discussion came up. Like, oh, we've been talking about Houston back to Harden for a or uh, Harden back to Houston for a couple months now. Like, how did this even start? It happened at the last end of last off season. Mm-hmm. When he was in negotiations, remember he took the he took the everyone was talking about the pay cut. Even mm-hmm. we were talking about the pay cut. They said, "Oh, he took this massive pay cut, so he could so the, the Sixers can you know bring people back and blah 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 blah." Uh, when that happened, he was talking about going back to Houston. Even then, that was back. And again, that points to your thought that he doesn't want he doesn't care about the champion. Mm-hmm. It, it's not it's not oh Houston Ime Odoka Houston with. You know all this young talent, and maybe Victor Wembanyama. That's where I, let's go. Let's go. Let me see if I can lead this young team. No, no. That was Silas Houston. That was Houston tanking Houston. The Houston like was literally sitting John Wall. Like didn't even want John. Like, like that clearly points to his mentality to me. And I think you you rightly talked about his lack of winning mentality. So that started last year is where that all started, and and that exactly identifies. What's going through Harden's head? I would, you know, shit, man. Wherever little baby is, he probably or or Dub Baby. I don't know. I'm which 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 rapper? Which I think baby he's Dub Baby. I think Dub Baby's Dub Baby. Okay, I like Lil right. Baby better as a rapper, but that's just me. There were two great tweets though during that game, yeah. uh, and one of them was from Petty Benjamin Simmons, who took yeah. a <laughs> screenshot of the score and posted it just with an arrow showing the score. Like, but you're so petty, <laughs> Benjamin. Like you just just let it go. You saw the tweet, right? Oh my god, like, did I see? He's got a nice house, lovely house, by the way. Beautiful decor. Whoever decorated your living room. The room. fact that he thinks that he that that's okay for him to post. He's at home. What is he's literally? Asshole. I know. Posting a picture of his own home with him sitting on his own couch, mm-hmm. not in the postseason, mm-hmm. talking about a team that he lost to. Yes. In the previous round. Like he would be the factor. Like they'd be winning if Ben Simmons is in the game. Get and out he of barely here. even played in that series that he lost to the team that they're it's I'm laughing so much. All of it is too it's too hilarious. Ben Simmons once again completely unaware. He's completely so unaware. lacking self-awareness once again. Oh my god, it was so funny. And then JJ. With he's been waiting on this tweet forever because you know Doc came out a couple months ago that we and we didn't even talk about it on the show how he just mentioned that the Clippers were never going to win a championship with that with that roster because they didn't they didn't cooperate together and then JJ tweets out did these guys cooperate 
you know? Yeah. And I loved it because on JJ's pod, he had Jamal on and they talked about that whole team. And it, it was, I, I love listening to JJ. I'm going to get into JJ here in a minute, but I thought it was a great tweet. Ben Simmons, just shut up and go away. Seriously. Nobody, nobody wants you. Nobody wants you here right now. Figure it out. Get your basketball yeah. career together. You're just sitting there collecting checks in the big ass house, talking about other playoff teams that are playing while you're sitting Hilarious. there. I know. So funny. All right. Really quick. We have Boston and Miami once again. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 like I mentioned before, I, I, I just keep underestimating Miami. I do. I undervalue them. I underestimate them. I underestimate Jimmy Butler. They made it back this far. They are so well coached. Uh, they have a group of guys that are just, they're all in on, on winning basketball games. They don't have the, the most talented roster in the world, but they do have a great leader in, in Hemi buckets. And, you know, Duncan Robinson's coming along, providing them with, with it's unbelievable. It's right? great to see him back. I love, I love it. it. And he's getting wide open. Look, look, you want, you need Duncan Robinson with no Tyler here. Does Tyler hero looks like, like an eighth grade dude that I, I went to school with in junior high school sitting on the bench. He was wearing a cutoff t-shirt, bro. <laughs> like, look, I'm all for the casual look in the NBA, but some of this shit's got to go dog. Like oh, some of boy. this has got to go. I know it's just so wild. He looked like. One of the guys, like Tyler Hero, looks like when I was in eighth grade, like the raver kids. That's yeah. like who's who puffed Nas balloons. That's who Tyler who uh, Tyler Hero looks like. <laughs> I think um, my wife said he looked like he was at a Blink One Eighty Two concert or something. He like does, that. dude. <laughs> he totally does. But look, I've been underestimating these guys. I think they have their work cut out for them against uh, Boston because I do think they're the better team. I think. I think Jimmy's going to be ready and willing to be guarding Jason Tatum. I think he's going to want Jason Tatum. I think it's going to be a really great matchup. Um, Bam has to be huge. I think Bam and Horford, are, it's going to be a cool little battle down there. Uh, but I don't know how to call it. I mean, I have Boston being the better team and going to the NBA Finals. And also, if you're into conspiracy theories and the script that is out there right now. Everybody wants to see Lakers and Boston compete for that 18th championship. So I do have Boston winning this series with uh with a valiant fight by the Miami Heat, though. Yeah. Look, I um first and foremost, the Knicks should try and sign Duncan Robinson. I know we're not gonna talk Knicks. We don't What's have up time. with you and Knicks? Everybody wants to go to the Knicks now. Well, we gave we gave like twenty minutes to each one of the franchises that lost. Oh. We might as well give twenty seconds to the Knicks. Get here. rid of Randall. Just do that. End of story. Bingo. Go ahead and trade Randall somewhere. See what see what you can get for Randall. Uh, maybe Carl Anthony Towns is on the is on the market. Um, the Knicks would love that. Oh yeah. Uh, but Duncan Robinson. <laughs> I mean, just think about what the Knicks lacked. It's like one guy who can shoot a three. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a, RJ he's out was there. atrocious. RJ He's was out horrible. there. So um, congratulations to Josh Hart. It sucks that on the birth of your twins, you got bounced from the playoffs, but I love Josh Hart. Congrats to him. The Knicks will, the Knicks overachieved. They overachieved this year. We we said it in the beginning of the year when they got Jalen Brunson doesn't mean championship by any means, but he got them further. I think than we expected, especially with dragging Julius Randall along. So mm-hmm. that's enough. Go get a shooter, get rid of Randall, whatever you want to do. Miami, um, I, I don't know, I don't know why, but I, I just, I, Jimmy Butler, I think is looking at this series like lunch meat. He knows he had the chance to put the dagger in the back of the Celtics last season. One shot, and one shot. This matchup really is has kind of defined, you know, the last few years when it comes to the Eastern Conference is the, is the Heat and the Celtics. 
And we do have a rematch of the bubble in which the Heat were able to prevail. And then last year, the Heat falls short because Jimmy pulls up for three instead of going to the wreck, like I begged him to do when it happened. I think Jimmy's going to eat, bro. I think he's going to have a a monster series uh, if he can stay healthy and not roll his ankle. Um, Tatum will have to be matching him, you know, shot for shot. Uh, Jalen Brown will have to be a lot more locked in than he was thus far in the playoffs. And I think he's getting there. Um, I think this was momentum wise game seven at home, Tatum doing that and them having a, just a great, also a great defensive performance against the Sixers across the board. Everyone was diving for balls. Like it was, uh, about as big of a moment of a momentum swing as the Celtics could possibly ask for heading into the Eastern Conference Finals against an opponent that's just like, yeah, what's up? It's us again. Hey. Hey. Guess what? We don't give a shit. We don't right. give a shit. Right. And we got rest. And we got rest because y'all mm-hmm. took it to game seven. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm I'm fired up for this series. I keep telling people when I'm talking to my, my, my folks or the homies, it's like, it smells like 2020 to me, Clips. And I'm, I think I'm going to pick the heat. Wow. I think we're going to get a rematch of the bubble as we already have now in the, in the conference finals with the four teams. I think it's going to go the same way and break out into a heat Lakers finals. Oh, you want that so bad though. You want that. Oh, so I, bad. I absolutely I know you do. I, know I want you it. Do. I want it. I, you know what? Actually, I, I think either matchup would be great. I just, I, of course I want the Lakers to win a championship. So, mm-hmm. you know, Lakers advancing is ideal. But either opponent, Heat or Celtics, would be fantastic for a finals, right? You get Miami and that whole rematch of 2020. And if it's the Celtics, obviously, the whole shit ton of history there and 17 championships, all of that. So uh, if I hope the script is written and that the Lakers get the fuck out of this Denver series and that we're in. Let's go. Let's go script, right? I thought the, I thought the writers were on strike. They got the Writers Guild on strike out here. How's their we'll GPTs around? It's okay. That's all right. Um, so this series, obviously, uh, Jimmy... Very important. Uh, But the thing that keeps happening that I keep uh, underestimating, as you've talked about, you're underestimating the heat. I keep underestimating the rest of the guys. Max Struess is doing great. Gabe Vincent doing great. And the defensive pressure that they applied to both series, the Bucs and the Knicks, is it's not going to stop in this series. So Jalen Brown can't bring the ball up. Jalen Brown cannot have the ball in his hands because they will turn him over like once every other time he puts the ball on the ground. I know. We thought he was going to get better at it, but then his hand got injured, and that definitely didn't help. I think he actually did improve a little bit with his handle. It's not great, still not great. But then he cuts his hand at the end of the regular season, and and now it's back to where he was last year where the Warriors were able to rip him every time he tried to dribble left. Mm. So uh, that's going to happen a lot. <laughs> Gabe Vincent, uh, Struess, uh, uh, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy, of course, like all these guys are going to be hounding after the ball handlers for this team. So Marcus can't turn the ball over. Jalen can't turn the ball over. Malcolm Brogdon going to have to play a lot, in my opinion. I think Malcolm Brogdon is going to play a lot. Derek White has fallen off in, in the rotation. He'll probably have to play a lot because they're going to need to release some of this pressure. Uh, and and I don't think, you know, the, the Celtics had some success with going with Horford and Robert Williams on the floor at the same time. Not in this series. That yeah. can't happen. You need more ball handlers. You need more shooters. You need quicker guys out there on the. You just need one end. of them. 
one at a time. Mm-hmm. It's it's Horford and then it's Williams. You know, Horford then Williams. Let's keep a fresh body on Bam out of bio. Oh, I'm fired up for the series. So I think Bam, you know, Horford uh, was fantastic in Game Seven against Embiid. Uh, so Bam's going to have. He's his always hands. been good against Embiid. Yeah, always. but I think I think Bam's also going to have his hands full, right? Because you know, it's a it's a lot different, right? It's a lot different. Horford looking at Bam versus Embiid. They're they're completely different players, right? Uh, but but Horford is. I do think kind of the X factor in this series. Uh, and we've seen the Celtics when they're successful, Horford makes a few threes when he's wide open and has great defensive plays in the defensive end. When they suck, it's not always because of Horford, but it tends to be, oh, Horford went over five from three tonight. Oh, that's interesting. And they lost that game. Yeah, I guess they did. So Horford, I do think is going to be the X factor for this series. And the, and the games I think will go the way that Horford plays. And because of that, uh, I don't think Horford's going to get a lot of wide open threes in this series. Bam is great defensively, very active recovery. Uh, he can he can get out there uh, and 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 contest Horford's shot at the three, uh, and still be able to help uh, when when Tatum and Brown and the rest of them try to go go by. But as much as we talked about Anthony Davis and Jokic, it, this is you know I'm burying the lead. It's Jimmy against Tatum. It's Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum who's going to win the arm wrestling match. But as we know, the series is defined. It can be, that can be the headline, but the, you know, the subtitles are all that very important stuff is the rest. And right now I can't pick against this Miami heat team. They're, they're not, they're not making many wrong steps here. The rest of the team. Uh, well, you and, didn't mention coaching either. You know, this is going to, you know. Eric Spolster has been there many times, man. And he's really good at this. And Missoula hasn't, I think we, you know, a lot of the Missoula stuff, the bazooka Joe, uh, came into question and that he had really good times too. You know what I mean? Like there was a couple things that he was saying on the bench that kind of really resonated with the players and whatnot. But if this comes down to coaching, I'm taking Spo, you know, and uh, bro, I take doc rivers. Like we just saw doc rivers almost out coach Missoula. I actually, I kind of think he did out coach Missoula in the last series. It mm-hmm. just hit Missoula's players were able to execute a little bit. Right. Better, right. Right. So Spolster's, we know he's better than Doc. Spolster is one of the greatest coaches we have in the NBA. Uh, second longest tenured coach in the NBA behind ye old Greg Popovich. So uh, it's, it is, it is way swinging in that direction for coaching, right? And I, that's another reason I'm picking the Heat. Uh, we saw, I think it was in Game Five, I can't remember, but in the last series against Boston, maybe it was Game Six. I think it was Game Six. Marcus Smart and Al Horford are coaching the Celtics a lot in these huddles. Not Missoula. It's not. Uh, and I know he's doing his best. And I know, you know, they gave him a mic one on one of those games and they they picked a couple good moments for him to be mic'd up and he was able to share some stuff. And I do think he's, uh, I, it, it's not from a lack of caring or a lack of uh, like passion in any sense. I think Missoula it lives and dies with the way this team, I mean, look at his eyes. You can tell the guys like staying up till four in the morning, watching game tape and reviewing that shit. He hasn't slept in like two weeks, I think. So it's not for lack of caring. It's just lack of experience. And this is where Spolstra, I do think it's going to be one of those things where Spolstra is going to be able to pick them apart mm-hmm. and, and adapt uh, a lot more than, than any of the other teams. That's the beauty of the heat too, is like, they're not stuck with one thing. They, they do have, pieces that they can move around and play in different sizes and lineups and 
you know, while there is a lot of a lot of guys on that floor that weren't drafted that were, you know, kind of in, you know, un, unknown players entering their careers in the NBA, almost all of them have made a name for themselves on this team in the last year or two. And yeah, I'm I'm gonna go like I said, Lakers and Lakers and six. I think Heat Heat and six. So that's interesting. That's bold right there. I don't know how to call it, man. I just think Boston's a better team. But I, 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 every time I've, I've uh, doubted Jimmy Butler, he's smacked me in my face with it. So I hope it's a great series. I hope it's seven games. I'm really excited for it. Uh, I, I, we got to get into the final part of our pod, which I swore we weren't going to do two hour pods, but Hey, it's another two hour pod for everybody that enjoys them. Um, I can't believe we're saying this again and we're, we're having this conversation, but you know, mother's day morning, Sunday morning, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, my alarm's set for about 4.30. My phone's blowing up at 3.45. I think, you know, obviously emergencies going on. I'm tagged in a post uh, many times, and it's freaking Ja Morant again with a gun <laughs> on Instagram Live. And before I could wipe the eye boogers out of my eye, Drew, I'm yeah. like, no freaking way he just did this again. And I had to make a quick post, make sure that Clips and Drew got it up. And then I got to sit back and actually think about it. And you know what, man? I'm not going to sit here and, and bash John Morant like everybody else is probably going to do. But I will say that I'm not shocked at all. Okay? I'm not shocked. What I want to say is, like, the people that you have around you, your company that you're keeping, they don't love you. They don't love you and they do not care about you. Because they just saw you go through this huge situation where you just almost fumbled the bag. You did fumble the bag because it's all NBA shit. You got kicked out of the first round quick. Um, you went through this whole situation with the gun and your, your friends that you're with are going to put you on Instagram live again while you have a gun. And immediately throw the camera down once you flash the gun that you have in your possession. Again, after going to your what you know, I'm shocked that his 26 hours of counseling didn't didn't fix John ja Morant, right? And we all know that was a bunch of BS. It was to get him away from it's Memphis. Clearly bullshit. Yeah. Clear we called bullshit right away. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you want to sit there and 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 have the interview with Jalen Rose and say it's not who I am. I don't condone it, any type of violence, but I take full responsibility. I made a bad mistake. I can I can see the image that I painted over myself and my recent mistakes. And this is what you do. You go right back out and do this shit again. So you're a dumbass. That's it. That's what it is. I'm not going to trash you. I don't think you're a bad human being, but you're not making smart decisions. And the shitty thing is, man, is now Adam Silver's on the clock. All right. Adam Silver's on the clock. Nike's on the clock. You kind of swept it under the rug on the last time. Adam Silver, who's been pretty soft with the players, minus, I mean, the first his first business in the NBA was to, to, to ban, uh, Donald Sterling. Right. And the rest of the time he's very pro pro player. And I think he was lenient with jaw on this last one. I thought the cops were lenient with jaw on the last one, but look, man, it's been, it's been 13 months of you and guns and you and violence. It's been 13 months. Don't say it's the other people that you're with. It's you, bro. You are the problem. And you know, some people hit us up and we're like, you know, it's a Second Amendment right to be carrying a gun. And I say, yeah, you're 1000% correct. It's open carry in Memphis. You are more than welcome 
to, to be carrying a gun whenever you want to. But the company you work for is a private entity with rules. You want to know why, why teachers can't have a fucking OnlyFans? Because there's rules. Your students can't open a computer and see your teacher butt-ass naked. There's rules. You're going to be fired. The NBA has rules. You can't have guns. And you just had this meeting with Silver and with your corporate sponsors and with everybody. And you're telling everybody, I'm good. This is over. I'm, I'm going to get rid of the company I keep. The guy he was with is the same guy that got kicked out of the game in the Memphis game. It's probably the same guy that was in the SUV with the laser pointed pointed at people. He's a problem, dude. And I don't want to hear the mental health shit. I'm not taking that one. I'm not taking that call. I think mental health is a real issue. This is you being mentally stupid. 100%. So, uh in my conversation with my NBA friend the other day, I said I think he's going to I think it's going to be a full season, dude, cuz this just happened. March 15th was the day he got his 8 8 uh 8 game suspension. We're May 15th today. 2 months and this guy couldn't keep the strap away. You know, do you think Elon Musk carries a strap like on him? Do you think LeBron carries a strap? Do you think Chris P, Chris Paul carries a strap? Nah, but I, they probably have people that do. You know what I mean? Security that does. Pick better friends. Pick better friends. As much as I think he'll be suspended for the year, I don't think it's going to be. Uh, I think he should be if, if Adam Silver wants to put his foot down and make an example out of this. I think it's going to be closer to 30. I think half a season. And I think, Ja, like, again, dude, Nike just came out with your shoe. You know, you just missed out on 40 mil on the on the All-NBA team to get that extension. What else do you want happen? Why are you in a car with a gun in your lap? Why? That's an issue for me, man. And if I was a John, if I was John Morant's PR team or his family, I, I would be extremely – and it's on Mother's Day, dog. What are you doing in a car with a strap on Mother's Day? So that that's my take on Ja, and and I I hope he figures it out. But I don't know how many chances he's going to get because, dude, this is what's going to happen if he gets his thirty games. You know what's going to happen when he gets his thirty game suspension? The NBA is going to keep going, dude. Going to keep playing. New stars are going to be made. You know, some people don't want that mess. You know what's crazy is Dylan Brooks is the one that they want out of Memphis. We want Dylan Brooks out of here because he makes dumb comments to LeBron. But we'll keep this guy. That likes to brandish guns and, and 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 play cops and robbers, like I said on the last show. So uh, I'm I'm more upset at, at the stupidity of of John Morant. I'm I'm just beside myself, Drew. Yeah, I'm I'm like really bummed out, man. I am so bummed out. Um, uh, I we think I think we kind of all gave him the benefit of the doubt on the last one. Yeah, he's young. Uh, he's rich. Doesn't you know? That's what young people do. And I don't know how I don't know how he missed that this is a serious thing. I don't know how all of that took place, and he thinks that this is still fine. Uh, I don't want to blame uh, his buddy as much as I want to blame him, because his buddy's on IG and they're just they're vibing out to a song. They're doing whatever the fun thing that they're doing on Mother's Day. Maybe they go. Maybe they're going to drive to maybe. see John's mom. And Jaws the one that pulls out the gun, like knowing that they're on, that there's live. a phone here. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not live, even if it's not live on Instagram, it's still a video, mm -hmm. right? I don't understand how that was, that was what he did there. Uh, it's stupid, baffling. 
stupid is the only thing that we can point to. Do you agree you know, with me that, that Adam Silver has to make an example now, though? Because it looks like a slap in the face to Adam Silver. We said it was a slap in the face to Steven Adams when he called the team meeting and he still went out to the strip club and flashed the gun. Mm -hmm. And now with Adam Silver, I don't know what happened in the meeting. I don't know what was discussed. But Adam Silver probably said, hey, it's a tight rope you're walking on right now. I don't want to have this discussion again. Oh, I'm sure that was said. Uh, and I'm sure Ja broke every promise that he made to everybody by doing this. Um, look, I, and I, I do, I actually kind of understand very much the people that are saying he didn't do anything illegal. I, I, I absolutely agree that he did not do anything illegal. Same. Uh, that's not the issue. <laughs> that's it's just plain and simple. That is not the issue. I don't have words. I, I just, I want him to get through this. I want him to get over this. I really enjoy watching the kid play basketball, but I think yeah, I think Adam Silver is going to bring the hammer down here. And I think Ja has forced him into that action. Yeah, you have to. I think he's forced him into that action. Um and so as much as I as much as I think you're right and something when I talked about when we brought this up 2 months ago was uh was, you know, better people, get better people around you, better people around you. That hasn't changed and that's fine. You know, it takes a while to change your friend group. It, sometimes it doesn't take that long, but uh, I don't really want to blame his buddy cuz his friend is just having a good time and Ja pulled out the strap. And his friend you I think you saw yeah, like, he dropped the it video. Quick. He goes, "Oh, like mm -hmm. even on he, the even he is probably like, "What are you doing?" Right. "What are you doing?" Right? So, I just I just, I don't you know, know what you it's know, gonna take. I don't know what it's gonna take to get through to him. Oh, it's gonna take the this. last thing that this is the last thing that you have to do. Stop doing it. It's so easy to not do what you're doing. It's the it's so easy to not do this. Have the gun, have the gun on you if that's really what you need. Have it in your car or have it, you know, whatever tucked in the tuck, like in the waistband. Or whatever, whatever. Stop pulling it out on videos to show people, because you're not breaking the law by having it, and and that's okay. And I'm sure, I'm sure Adam Silver would be like, yeah, that's not, we don't want you to have a gun, but we're not going to suspend you for just having a gun. We're going to suspend you for putting your <laughs> your brand, your image, your face, your likeness, which is what that's what it is. They now, own brand. that they own. Putting a gun right next to that, having that constantly be associated with one another. That's the last thing, especially, of course, of course, obviously, in the in the world we live in, in the United States that we live in now, where it seems like, you know, every other week there's a, a shooting that's yeah. happening. So n never mind that. How how does he not understand that this is not OK for him to do? And again, not talking about legalities, just talking about the actual situation that he himself is in. Nobody else in his crew, in his life, is in this situation. Just him. I don't yeah, get it. They, uh, I don't know when it's going to sink in. Well, you know, man, even in hip-hop, they've had the hip-hop police forever, right? They're watching everything you do. And this was even prior to social media. And there are definitely people... Like, look, the Instagram Live, somebody was recording the Instagram Live that was watching Jaw's friend, right? They were recording it. Those things don't save... You know, they save to your phone. 
if I if I was trying to you know make a name for myself and get a couple more followers, I would record every single time, put the notifications yep. on. Oh, John Morant's live, or this mm-hmm. or his buddy's live. Sweet. Let's screen record this whole thing. Let's see if I can get a ten thousand followers. I'll sell it to TMZ for a couple thousand dollars, maybe in a maybe even tens of thousands of dollars, and we'll be great. That's how that's how police get people, man. They look on your Facebook, they look on your social media. If you have a gun charge and it's a felony, you know, if you're on probation and they see you with a gun on oh. Facebook, you're it's a wrap for you. So just like there's hip hop police, there are NBA police once again. And I also think that he's been failed by everybody right now. Like, where's your dad? Where's the coach? Where's the management? Where is everybody? Where's this NBA security that's supposed to be around you? If this is your most important, most highly paid uh, asset on your basketball team, you need to make sure he's protected at all times. At all freaking times. Like if I if I am the owner of the, the 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 Grizzlies after this shit just happened and I have $180 million committed to this guy, he's I, I'm putting a dude with him at all, at all moments. That's just what's going on. I don't want to talk this to 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 the dirt, dude. Something's going to happen. We'll be talking about it on the next show. There will be a suspension involved. Yeah. And I think Adam Silver's pissed that he's going to have to do this. And the conversation, like, I, Jaw's going to be like a little kid in this meeting. You know, Adam Silver's going to be like, didn't we, ju- what did I just tell you? <laughs> what did exactly. I just tell you? Exactly. Yeah, and- I, I, I can only imagine when he goes, he's like, I can't believe we're here again. Mm-hmm. And it's the same year. It's the same season. Mm-hmm. Even for crying out loud we haven't even gotten to summer yet not even summer unbelievable uh so hopefully we'll have updates on that i'm sorry to memphis grizzly fans man this has been a complete mess and this needs to be fixed quick give me a final thought drew because we got to get out of here final thought is joe rogan we're coming for you we're, we're gonna do a four-hour episode next week oh no my god uh, please don't do that drew <laughs> please don't <laughs> i'm already oh, sweating no i can't believe that we're doing these the two hours come on yeah well you know there's a lot to cover a lot to cover um, and we didn't even really talk about the knicks we could have gone for longer right jalen brunson you're awesome that's enough jalen brunson is awesome um okay my final thought um draft lottery on tuesday tomorrow is tuesday right before the laker nuggets game one my guess is this is going to be the most watched NBA draft lottery in history. Um, and it's definitely the most anticipated since the jaw Morant and Zion draft and arguably the more anticipated than that, even all the way back to LeBron James. Uh, Victor Wembanyama, just like you were talking about, the NBA is going to move on. That guy's coming into the NBA jaw and people are going to be marveling at watching this giant behemoth, doing all these crazy of a things child he's a child <laughs> yeah it, well yeah yeah he's whatever 18 years old 19 uh so i'm i'm excited about the draft lottery i will actually tune in usually you know for the draft lottery i don't like watch the show i'll just go okay like let's i'll just see the results right because it you know it happens and then you get the results on espn immediately or instagram wherever i'm actually going to watch this show because i think i'm going to see some some really, really nervous individuals up there. Uh, and we'll see who gets screwed and who gets the unbelievable first pick and then a really coveted second and third pick out of this draft. It seems like it's one, two, and three. And you can argue that it's one and then two and three, uh, which I would say most people would argue that. But 
Uh, I'm very excited for the for the draft lottery. We'll see who gets Victor Wenbanyama here um, tomorrow night. Uh, and that is my final thought. I think this is a this is a moment that we may remember uh, for for decades. Uh, who ends up getting this number one overall pick? I think it could change the trajectory of any of the franchises that get him. And uh, you know, if it's Houston, no. Uh, if it's if it's San Antonio, that's who I want. If it's anybody, literally anybody, any team, um, it this is going to be, hopefully, based on everything that we see out of this kid, hopefully a franchise-altering draft and then, therefore, draft lottery. So, you know, good luck to everybody. Hopefully the ping-pong balls fall in the right order and uh, we see him go to a good team. Yeah, my hope is I, I definitely think I'm with you. Uh, San Antonio would be great to see Wembo uh, popping off in uh, – Lovely San Antonio. All the yeah, yeah, lovely San Antonio. Uh, you know, all the media outlets already have Wembo in every single jersey from oh, one yeah. through fourteen in the lottery. You know, yeah, yeah. This one would be awesome if it was like the thirteenth, like the guys that were projected at thirteen get the number one. Like I know, that. but that's that's the crazy part. Like it, this is like if the ping pong ball falls the right way, mm-hmm. and you know, if you were if you're like seventh or eighth in the odds, and you mm-hmm. end up, you know. Somehow one. making it there, that could ju- that could be incredible, man. It could, it could be, be so cool. Just game changers, dude. Hopefully, it's small market. The San Antonio fans deserve it. I hope they get it. I would love to see Pop hang around one more year and then Duncan come back and work with this kid. Like that's that would be the best case scenario for you. The worst would be Houston. That's and especially if James Harden comes back. Like that that would just be the worst situation possible. My it's so funny. But it could be Portland. Like like Portland is a great example. Okay, pray for Portland then. Portland could be it could Mm -hmm. be for them, and they finally could get their pick right once they get uh you know an opportunity to to draft Michael Jordan. Shout out to the movie Air, which I did watch this weekend, which is fantastic. I went to the movie theater. Did you? Yeah, it's out on Amazon Prime now. So Mm -hmm. I watched it just here in the comfort of my own home. And uh, and I feel for Portland. So it would also be really like redemptive for that organization to have uh, the the ball, the ping pong balls fall in their favor, too. So that could be cool. And Dame deserves something, right? That like would be Dame awesome. All the yeah, work. Exactly. Karma's come. Pray for Portland, y'all. Um, mine's going to be really fast. I was shocked the other night when uh, all the outlets came out and said that the Toronto Raptors are looking at J.J. Redick to be the head coach. <laughs> and look, man, I love JJ Redick. Okay. I loved him as a college basketball player. I loved him as a professional basketball player. I loved him as a clipper. I absolutely love him as an analyst and even more as a podcaster. I am the biggest JJ Redick fan and everything he stands for, but JJ Redick does not deserve to get a head coaching job. When does this happen? When are we taking analysts to just throw them in and, in in? You know, former players, we're just going to let them bypass the line and J.J. Reddick's just going to get the head coaching job at Toronto. Like what? what who? Th- I, I just it, it blows my mind, Drew. Do I think J.J. Reddick will be a good coach one day? Sure. But I also think J.J. Reddick has to be on a bench for a while. This the Steve Nash did not work out for a reason. All right. I just don't understand how all these people that have been working their asses off for whatever, 10, 20, 15 years, and even some of these you know, a lot of these other guys, uh, these coaches that have been in the NBA for 20 years and still looking for jobs. Why JJ Reddick gets the nod? Is this a trend we're going for? Is like, let's take the guy that sounds the smartest and make him a head coach of a franchise. Did it sound weird to you 
or no? Am I being a hater? I think I'm just being, uh, I just, I just, I, I thought it was so random that they, that they picked JJ out of everybody. I think you're being, uh, you're going early on this, in my opinion, because he's not a finalist for the coach. Toronto has interviewed like 30 fucking people for I that. Believe that. that. I mean, Becky Hammond was interviewed and she deserves it way more than JJ yes. fucking Reddick does. Yes. 100%. Okay. But they, the, 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 the list is long. I mean, they have interviewed a bunch of people for that uh, Toronto Raptors head coaching position, including a, a, a multitude of assistant coaches in the NBA. I even think they interviewed some college coaches. Like it, it's, it's been a whole process. I think Masai Ujiri is, is trying to do his due diligence and be as diverse as possible, which is what the NBA and the NFL, especially the NFL now has rules about who you have to interview. You have to interview a certain uh, number of like, there's a ratio for the, for the, uh, ethnicities of people that you have to interview in order for you to like name a head coach first. You can't just go, okay, here's five white guys. Cool. We picked one of the five. Like that, that was a major problem in the NFL. So they've addressed that and changed that. I think Masai Ujiri is operating very much in that same fashion where he doesn't want to just interview, you know, five guys and then pick one of them um, from that list. I think he, he has intentionally expanded the list tremendously. Uh, and so that's fine with me. I have no problems that they're interviewing JJ Reddick. I don't think he's in any way qualified to be a head coach in the NBA. Zero, zero. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is that's he qualified to be a head coach in the NBA right now? He's coaching his son's team. Who's that's like what a, I was going to say. It's like a 10 and under AAU team. And like he's getting that, kicked out of games. That is not translating to NBA coaching success. And <laughs> you're right. I, I think my wife even brought it up. She goes, they interviewed JJ Reddick for a head coaching job. I said, yeah, she, I think she was just like, she's like that. Uh, that seems like too fast. So like, wasn't he just in the NBA? I was like, yeah, he, he was just in the NBA mm -hmm. and it is too fast. He needs at least five years on a bench somewhere. Go, go be an assistant coach. I'm five years, at least five years, especially like you're saying to like cut the line. Like Sam Cassell needs a fucking job. Give him a job before JJ Reddick does. Thank please, you. people, please. Sam Cassell, let's give him a try. Thank you. And also for my own personal reasons, like JJ is just so great on the pod and being an analyst, like, please don't become an NBA coach because if you think that like, first of all, nobody wants to be coached anymore. That's why they get rid of coaches so fast. Nobody wants a coach. Players don't want coaches and they definitely don't want JJ Reddick because he's going to hold you accountable and your workouts are going to be ridiculous, especially if yeah. you're a star player. Right. He's like, it's like the Stan Van Gundy reincarnated. He's the better looking Tom Thibodeau. Okay. That's just, that's what it's, that's what it's going to be. All right. Um, and this just came out. Kendrick Perkins is now the head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Crazy how that works. <laughs> All right. We got to get out of here, bro. Hey, Joe Rogan, we are coming for you. Four hour right. podcast. The follow through with Clips and Drew. We're ghosts. You know what it is?